So in England, um, they're a lot more conservative in terms of letting that full black woman come out. So although my grandparents are Jamaican, there would be some of that culture, but also there's like the, you know, having tea parties and all that kind of stuff. So there was a lot of the culture was bleached out from that, from my mother. Um, so I, my light skin privilege really came from uh, having mobility to be around white people, to be accepted by white people, to, I, it, I feel like I made it easy for white people to be colorblind, to not see my blackness. And I learned to do that at such a very young age. Um, so being very sensitive, being uh, someone who could feel into other people's feelings um, and know exactly how they felt about me and internalizing that to mean something about me. So I learned that my blackness had to be hidden. I had to straighten my hair. I had to speak a certain way. And this was, I must've been five years old when I realized this, um, that I had to figure out a way to be accepted by the oppressor. And I feel like that made me uh, internalize racism to such a deep extent that I just realized that my <laughs> I have been um, not being myself around white people, that I have been code switching to such an extent that, my, that I haven't been letting my true self out the way that I really speak, how I really laugh, um, how my hair really is, um, the way I really dress, all of, all of these kinds of things. Um, and I have always, uh, I grew up in Montclair, New Jersey, which is a majority white, although it, it touts itself as um, a very diverse community. It's just a lot of white people and a lot of black people. Um, it's probably 60% white, maybe 30, 40% black and that number is dwindling because the taxes are are getting higher and higher but it's a very liberal town you know i grew up thinking that racism was over i grew up thinking that um you know martin luther king solved everything everybody please mute your hold on hold on cassie one second hey if i don't know if there's somebody named sonia on the call, please mute your phone. Everybody mute your phone. LG Stylo uh, What's her name, Rashida? Please, please mute your phone. Uh, I think it's a, a lady with some shreds. All right, I'm about to mute everybody. And then um, I'm about to mute everybody. All right, Cassie, go ahead and unmute yourself, baby. Okay. All right, um, sorry about that. Just real quick, um, for the people that are gonna be watching this later, I didn't press record till right until Cassie started showing. So please forgive me. She's the first panelist up midway through the show. We're going to have everybody reintroduce themselves when we do our Ashe portion. But just know that she's the first person to go. The only thing that you missed was libations and a brief introduction. Continue, Cassie. I forgot where I was. Um, <laughs> I'm so sorry. That's no, okay. Um, you were talking about the neighborhood, 60% being liberal. 
than growing up with the percept with the code switching. Right, 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 right. So, um, yeah, I grew up in this town that is very secluded from the rest of the country in terms of like, you know, black and white people are around each other. Um, and so all of the internalized racism that I learned was, was not seen as internalized racism. It was just seen as the way things were, that the fact that I'm black makes me bad. And I did not see that as an issue. So I never talked to anybody about that. I never, you know, spoke to my mom and said, Hey, I I feel, um, I feel like I'm stupid. So, so this is another thing that happened in the education system, um, growing up in Montclair. So there was standardized testing. Um, and I never really did well on standardized tests. Um, and because of that, uh, especially math for me. Um, so because of that, every, every um, math period, there would be a group of the smart kids who were all white, who were all, you know, wealthy, who had all of the, you know, the Mead notebooks, all of my things were, you know, from the dollar store because my mom, you know, never wanted to spend more than she wanted to. And that was something that I also felt bad about, like always having the cheap version of school supplies while all of the other kids had something else. Um, but during these math periods, all of the smart kids would go with one teacher and all of the dumb kids who happened to be all, all kids of color, uh, Hispanic kids and black kids, you know, they would call us up by name and we would go with a different teacher. And I internalized this as I am stupid because I'm black. And I never told anybody about that because I thought it just, it, it, was, the, it was the truth. It was facts. And so I never really applied myself in school. You know, I was a straight B student, B sometimes C student, having never ever studied anything. Nobody ever said, you know what, you, you could go for an A. You, you just need to apply yourself a little bit more. Um, and that, that, so because I started that way in uh, elementary school, in middle, so they, they take your testing from elementary school to middle school. They take the, you know, your, your testing from middle school to high school. So I had always been, um, you know, in the average or lower classes because I had never gotten that head start in elementary school. So when it came to all the kids who were in the AP classes in high school and, um, you know, all of the, uh, you know, college credit courses, I felt like I was always behind. So even throughout high school, I had this um, feeling that I was not smart because I was black. And that was all stuff that I had to unpack later on. Um, in terms of my light skin privilege, the first time I heard the term light skinned it, I was in preschool. Um, and my mom works at a Head Start. I'm not sure if Head Start is, uh, is something, it is something, okay, it is, <laughs> cool. Um, so I, that was the first um, experience I had with other black children, other black women, besides my mom. Um, and again, my mom grew up in England, so all of her family is in England. I didn't grow up with the, the community of black people that, um, that I feel would, would have empowered me more. My mom was isolated, isolated. We're in this town, you know, uh, so, um, 
where was I? <laughs> um, yes, I was in preschool. And um, this boy uh, said, oh, you're light-skinned. And the first time I heard that term, I, I never liked it. And I think it was a deep understanding that they're only seeing my, my outside and not who I am, not the depth of who I am. And um, growing up, continuing to hear that term, it was only from Black people. I had never heard that term from white people. And so I gravitated always toward white people because, because they wouldn't point out these things straight up. Um, I gravitated toward white people because I felt my presence as a light-skinned girl created a lot of intense feelings for Black people, for Black women. Um, when I was three years old, I had a teacher who would flick the back of my head. There were two light-skinned girls in that class, and um, she, she would, we would always be the last two. And th these are my very first memories, and I know there are some people like, how, how can you remember that early? But I remember that we were always called last. Um, and I told my mom, you know, I, I said, Miss, Miss, I don't want to say her name, but Miss so-and-so did this to me. Hold on, Cassie, I know you're new to the program. What's her name? Because we do that. Uh, right? Like, like, who, bring her out. <laughs> yeah, like, we don't do that. If you want to, if you want to put it in the chat, I'll say a bitch name. It ain't nothing. No, say her name. Her name was Miss Wineglass. Miss Wineglass. So what? we're going to, yeah, see, when you listen, the premise of this show is when you create terror inferiority or you damage women or children specifically black women or children we don't protect you there is no room we don't protect because see that helps to release something in you because that is one of your first memories it is something that you now 20 some odd years later you're still talking about because that was something that was painful to you because it is something that happens when darker skin tea they look at these little girls i know i've witnessed what you're talking about it happens and that's the shit that we're going to stop. I know we just started recording, but we talked about our spectrum from almost able to pass to damn near the color of the center of the earth. If it is your sister, it is your sister. If it is your baby, it is your baby. We don't do that. We don't hurt. Black women do not hurt other black women simply because of the color of their skin. We did not get to choose this. A lot of this was given to us when we got here, okay? So we don't do that. Now, if a bitch did something else to you, you flick in the head, and that shit is fair game. But we do not seek to destroy one another because of issues within ourselves. So what that bitch, wind glass, and I, people that don't know me, I'm very profane. I'm very straightforward. I don't offer any apologies ever about none of the shit that comes out of my mouth, okay? Ever. Say a name and then you keep going because I know that's a, that was a tender moment I could feel and palpate your pain there. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it was Miss Wineglass. Um, and that was also that also took place in Head Start. So I went to Head Start in preschool. Um, I was in a class right next to my mother. Um, uh, and yeah, so that I didn't know that that was because I was light skinned until later on. Um, so that was one of my, my first things. But yeah, there was this, there was this intense feeling 
that I would get from other, um, from other black people about me being light skinned. And it would, I didn't know how to contextualize it. I just knew I don't like that. And so I pulled away from a lot of that, that feeling. And I just went toward white people. Um, and I had black friends here and there, but I've always just had one friend. You know, I'm not a very social person. I've always had one friend and that friend was usually white. Um, you, you know, I had black friends in school, but um, I really learned a lot of this stuff when I went to elementary school in Montclair, in, in when I went to the public school, when um, all of the kids who had uh, nannies or um, uh, stay-at-home moms would all be picked up from school and I was in aftercare waiting for my mom to come. Um, how I would have crushes on all of the all, all of the white boys and feeling like I wasn't pretty because my hair was a certain way. So I feel like a lot of my experience as a light-skinned person is still about me not being white enough. I don't, I, I was not the type of person to put any other black women down because I'm realizing now that the love I have for my mother and for her features and for who she is colored my understanding of black women, um, my understanding of black people, having a whole big family that would make me feel like I was okay every time I went to England. That experience made me feel that that blackness was beautiful and everything that I felt about myself, about just me being ugly, it was um, it was all it was all a misunderstanding about myself um, and my blackness. While while I I understand and because I wasn't in the black community so much because of the town that I grew up in, you know, it's it's well funded. Um, most of the black people lived in a different part of town. Um, I didn't get a lot of the, the light skinned, uh, like I didn't, um, how do I say it? I didn't own the title of light skinned and hold it like I was better than anybody else because I was still disempowered by not being white enough. Um, I haven't done this before, so I don't know if I'm talking too much, but I, that, I think that could be. No, no, you good. I, you, don't, you don't get it. I'll cut you off with the quickie. So you good. I try, to let, I try to let spirit move, especially when I see there's an outpouring, right? Because one of the things that I'm noticing with you, and I didn't even consider this, I'm kind of grateful that one of my very good dear sisters wasn't able to fill in, and then we reached out to you because I never really considered the biracial aspect because you're dealing with the European and their acceptance of you and then you got to deal with reconciling. Like there was a question for you. How do you identify? They want to know if you identify as black or biracial. Um, I identify as black. I know that I am seen as other to most white people. So how I feel in myself and knowing that in order to be my fullest self, I have to own that my soul, my ancestor, my background is black, and that is how I feel, and that is my soul, that is my spirit. 
Okay, so you got that question. Whoever answered, asked that, that's the answer. No, you can keep going. I'll cut you off when it's time to move on. But I think that it's important for Black women, because there's a difference. Sometimes colorism, we don't really have to really deal with white people on colorism a lot of times if we just Black, Black, right? We deal with each other. Because like you said, you didn't really even think about it until, is this wine glass Black? Mm-hmm. See? <laughs> your experience, your very first experience with that shit was at the hands of a black woman, right? So you didn't even know what colorism was. You just knew you felt the way when you were with white people, you weren't white enough. But then when you came into the black side, then that means you weren't black enough. So that was your first experience amongst black people with colorism, which is important. Now you got a few more minutes, girl, get it off your chest. Yeah, uh, that that definitely um, illustrates a lot of the the conflict that I felt being biracial is not being, and, and I know it's 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 stereotypical to, to to have that feeling, but it it definitely and just on a personal level made me feel displaced in society, not knowing where I fit in with people, and um, I've always wanted to feel like I was part of a culture. And although my dad comes from a Jewish lineage and, you know, my grandfather, who is an exceptional person, complete socialist, is fully there. He's 94 years old. um, Would, you know, I was educated about the Jewish culture and growing up, knowing that I was Jewish, um, I, I would look at white people with yarmulkes and be like, oh, they're my people, not knowing, you know, they were looking at me, this girl with barrettes in her hair, not thinking the same thing at all. So I, so I never felt like I had a, a culture. Just recently, um, last summer, I got my leques um, and feeling my essence, knowing who I resonate with. It is Black women. It is absolutely 100% Black women. That is where I belong. That is how my soul is healed. That is um, that is who I resonate with. That is who I resonate with being. And I know that, you know, uh, we all, we were born with every single egg that, that we have. And it's just that lineage, a womb within a womb within a womb within a womb. My lineage is Black woman. And um, really feeling that and owning that for myself has been a process that I'm still going through because still to this day, when I'm around white people, I am still not my, my full self. There is still some switch that goes on that says, hide the blackness, hide who you are, hide, hide your, your little draw, um, or, you know, your laugh and, and all that kind of stuff. So it's something that I'm still working on owning. Like, there's still part of me that's like, oh, don't make white people feel uncomfortable, especially in these times, like, especially when all these protests are going on and people are starting to realize, especially, you know, the liberal white people in New York City who are most of the people who follow me um, on Instagram and social media, they're like, oh my gosh, they're, they're starting to realize. Um, and I'm starting to realize as well all of the all of the things, um, all the traumas that are coming up to the surface. And it's been a very, um, it's been very trying, um, but, you know, just self-care has been my number one go-to right now. I think that that sums up a lot 
of my experience. <laughs> being okay. Yeah. All right. So look, okay. So I took a little bit of notes. And so one of the things I want y'all to pay attention to when she talked about um, being biracial and it's something that Malcolm X talked about. And I think it's a lot of times those who identify as black, those are the people that I, those are people that I welcome in. There's some biracial people who don't want anything to do with being black. Right. So when we have those brothers and sisters, when they, my soul feels like I am black, then you have to welcome them in, right? That, that is who they are. Malcolm had a quote, and I'm paraphrasing when he said, you know, when you talk about, um, you know, those born of black and white, how it's like when you pour ink into a glass of water, it is no longer good as ink and you can no longer drink it. It is no longer good as water. And so there is this, almost third class created and it creates a psychosis in some people okay um and it's something that we don't deal with as black people a lot of times we don't welcome you to into our arms a lot of times most of the time white people are looking at you as you have to prove something to them to be accepted by them even your family so my position is if you put black in it is black okay that's my position. If that's how you feel, and that's if that's if you want to associate with that. I don't beg anybody to want to be black. Being black is popping. That's what's happening. If you don't want to be it, that's on you, right? Um, so we're going to move on. I want to move on to one of my sisters um, who I know has an extensive history with trauma, but I want her to talk about it um, from the the... Um, yeah, thank you, Cassie, from the position of being a darker-skinned woman and talk about her experiences. So I'm going to have a shocky go next. Okay, so <laughs> colorism. I was sitting here as Cassie was speaking, thinking about my own experiences, and that was very powerful, what you shared. Like, it was just so powerful. Um, for me... I kind of grew up standing between two philosophies being put towards me. So on one end, uh, my mother and my father were not together. She remarries when I'm about two years old. My stepfather was very light, but his mother was my complexion. She was an evil woman, is an evil woman. She's still living. She's in her night. This lady would wait until I'd be by myself and she would say, I don't know why my son chose your black ass mama with this little black ass girl. I told all my children to marry people that's lighter than them. I only married my husband because he was light, because I didn't want my children to look like me. So basically she was feeding me these things from a very, very young age. And it made me just start hating my complexion. My father was very dark. My father was an islander, very dark with light eyes. My father had hazel eyes, his brother had blue eyes. They're very mixed. My father's hair is very curly. His, like all of them, you could tell they're not, they're mixed with something. But they look, their complexion is like the most beautiful black that you ever seen. And then here I am, I'm dark, my eyes change colors. My hair is funny, like it's nappy and it's straight and it's, it's just whatever. And then you got this woman that's supposed to be your, like a grandmother to you telling you, you are ugly because you are black. 
and you have these big lips and you have this wide nose and you bow-legged and your mama braids your hair and all these African braids, you just ugly. You're not accepted. On the other side, you have a mother who was raised by revolutionaries for the most part. My grandparents are very much into civil rights. And so she's giving you pictures of Gladys Knight and Shaka Khan, all these dark, beautiful women, talented people. This is who you look like. These are the same kind of people. They're talented, they're beautiful, they are wealthy, they are living free. This is who you are. But your mother is not warm to say, you're pretty like them. She just says you look like them. So this is where you categorize. But be, be empowered because we black and we proud around here. And so you want to be proud, but then you have this woman in your ear telling you, no, 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 you're not. And then you go to school and all of the light-skinned girls are treated differently. And so for me, where you struggled in school, where Cassie was talking about her struggles in school, for me, that was my superpower because I was super intelligent, like supremely intelligent. I was straight A's. I was reading at two years old. I was writing books at six. I was the youngest person to have a library card in my town. And I read the entire children's section. By the time I was, like I read the autobiography of Malcolm X when I was about eight the first time. They would get books from the National Library of Congress for me because there were no books because my librarian saw in me something. So she's like, listen, you need books about Sojourner Truth, Phyllis Wheatley, Langston Hughes, we don't have them, but I'm going to get them. And so I built my mind up because I felt that I was not free. And there was no way I was going to be free because I was so black and I looked like an African. Even to this day, there are people that come into this country. I have a lot of friends that are from Uganda, Zimbabwe, the Congo. They look at me and they're like, Did you, were you born here? Like, you can't be born here. And I'm like, yes, I was born here. Because they look at my face and they see home. I tell, people tell me that all the time. But for years, years, it was a struggle to identify myself, to feel that I was pretty. I had a friend growing up, one of my best friends, and she is darker than me. And I remember us being about nine years old and looking at the underside of our arm. My body is real light, like part as far as my is light. And we would say, if we were this color, we would be pretty. We would look at the underside where the sun didn't shine and say, we were we pretty if we were this color. But how we are right now, no. This is just, no. And so then you start getting into puberty. I had a body, still got a body, but I had a body early. <laughs> and so I was attracting people off of the body. My uncle, peace be upon, I love my uncle so much because I would be feeling so bad. I was a tomboy. This is TLC season. So I'm baggy pants, champion sweatshirts, Timberlands, you know, this and that. And my uncle said, baby, why are you always dressing like a boy? Now, mind you, I've been through some traumatic experiences. So part of that was bad. But part of it was, I'm not pretty, so why should I try to dress in this way? And he straight told me, he said, one day, they're going to see you for who you are. I don't know why you don't think you're pretty. Why do you not see what I see? 
And I said, well, you're my uncle. You're supposed to say that. I just never, <clears throat> when I got to be about 14, you know, you know, the, the thick. Damn, she thick. So I started playing more into the body part. Still not thinking the face got nothing going on. Like, still not feeling pretty at all. It, it was not until I was in my 30s. I'm almost 40. I'll be 40 next year. I was in my damn 30s, a divorcee that had six children before I ever could look in the mirror and say, you are a beautiful black woman. Every inch of this chocolate is beautiful. I had to dig deep within myself and peel these layers back and understand that those narratives that were playing were things that were not given they didn't come from me. It came from somebody that was lesser than. My step-grandmother, that's a lesser bitch. I'm not. As a matter of fact, I saw her not very long ago, and she was absolutely a Hey, Shaki, Shaki, <laughs> real quick. You know, we, we name names. Can we say her name? Yeah, her name is Mary Lee Johnson. Mary her name Lee sound, Johnson. It sounds like a lesser bitch name. Go ahead. Yeah. But uh, when my mother, I just lost my mother, which my gossip siblings know this. And this bitch shows up to my mother's memorial. I didn't know who she was because she's so dried up now. See, when I was growing up, she was, you know, not now. You're dried up, you're old, you're elderly, you're frail, you're all this shit with a mask on. Nevertheless, me and all my full glory and all my beautiful children, me in the place, my aunties and stuff, you know, my godmother who helped to raise me, came to me and she said, baby, I'm proud of you, you know, it was after the service. And I said, we call her Sugar. I said, Sugar. I said, who was that old ass lady sitting in there? She said, oh, you didn't recognize who that was? Cause she got tickled by it. And I said, no. And she said, that was Mary Lee Johnson. I said, what? She said, I'll start to tell that bitch. And I said, she said, but no, I held it together. She said, but I want to kill in there. She said, but I only did it because I didn't do it because I, you know, you, your mama wouldn't want that when us, you know, whatever. She said, and Mary Lee came to me. She said, is that Andrea calling me my birth name, you know? And um, she said, yeah, isn't she beautiful? She said, she is so eloquent. She has, is all of that her hair. Uh, those beautiful children, hers. Now you want to pee. Now you see me for who I am, but it's much too late because the damage that you did from when I was three years old, it continued throughout, until my brother passed away when I was 14, this woman was in my life. So from three to 14, and maybe a little longer than that, and into my adulthood, those messages played. And the middle school, you know, the, the boys saying, you know, writing the list of ranking girls based off color, they used to do that too. They were rank girls, saying it was beauty, but if you notice, the lightest of the light would be at the top, the darkest of the dark would be at the black, and I fell somewhere near the bottom. I wasn't the blackest, but I damn sure wasn't the lightest. Uh, <laughs> all of these things just, it colored my childhood in a way that I chose not to see myself as myself for a very long time. I wouldn't wear red lipstick. I would not wear red lipstick. I just had this conversation with my friend last night. I was 35 or 36 before I ever would wear red lipstick because I was told I was too black to wear it. 
That is the bad that is the most popping color on my lips. I wear I would wear that shit every day if I could now. But it took me a lot of work. It took a lot of healing. Part of the reason why I have Divine Soul today is because of the damage that was done to me throughout my childhood and into my young adulthood to get over those because it creates blockages and barriers within yourself. I wouldn't put myself out there. I wanted to be a cheerleader. I wouldn't, I would not try out. I played basketball instead. I ran track instead. All the things I felt the pretty girls did, I would not do, even though I fucking could do it. I would not do it because I said, oh, I don't fit. Oh, don't want to be seen. I put a prom picture up. And on the prom picture, I'm standing like I'm insecure because I was. Even though all my friends were like, oh, you look so pretty. Oh, you look so cute. I could not see it. I could not see it. And it is still a struggle. So I never have gotten to a point where I cringe. So I'm going to just be real. Full disclosure. It's times where people say, you're so beautiful that I cringe. And I have to check my own stuff like, bitch, get it together. Stop that, like, eh, eh, because of that flame. Like, I have to constantly check in with myself and make sure that I'm not retreating back into myself. I'm like, Cassie, I'm not a, people think that I'm everybody friend, mm-mm, or that I'm so extroverted. I'm not. I, <laughs> I am so not. I have a very close-knit, like, my Elay sisters, are, that's the biggest group of people that I fuck with for the most part. I don't have this big, long list of girlfriends and we don't do that. And when I'm on the scene, and this is that Shango energy, yeah, people look, they pay attention, but it ain't because I'm putting it out there. It's just the energy. And I had to get comfortable with that because I'm so much, I will close in to myself. But that is because of the conditions. All of this shit, this colorism, we've been conditioned to believe that these all the colors on the spectrum we not worthy because we not here but i have a light-skinned sister i mean my blood sister who looks at me and like damn you look so much like daddy you look so much like grandma like she wants to be my complexion but when i was growing up i wanted to be hers and then we realized this is a fucking sickness this is not natural we were created this divine way for a reason and a purpose. I look at my children. My children are all different complexions. Their daddy is black as fuck. My ex-husband is dark as shit. But my daughter just as light as she can be. We got some that's a little chocolate than others, a little mocha up in here. We all mixed. And they all came from this womb. So if that is not beauty, and that is, that is not divinity, then what is? Then what is? Um... We, we, you know, you go through this term reconciling what was told to you versus what is true. And sometimes you have to continue to do that. The TV, the social media tells you all this bullshit. That ain't that. <laughs> that is not true. What is truth is what has been true from the beginning of time. You are worthy. You are beautiful. You are everything you needed to be from the time before you were in your mother's womb. You are divinely created. You are beautifulness. And I have to tell myself this. This is my self-talk to me. And for those that's struggling because you like me, know that that whatever complexion it is, as light as light, as dark as dark, it is all perfect in its way. So that's my story. I'm sticking to it. <laughs>
<laughs> Thank you all for having me. Okay. <laughs> so you have made some really good points, Shocking. And I want everybody to take um, the points that I wanted to hot that I felt that were really important. I want to highlight. So this is not just her. I know other darker skinned girls. I had this conversation. I don't know if it was with Reese or somebody else the other night. This shit starts as children. Okay, listen to me. It is, if you've ever seen the movie Inception, this is people, uh, these Decepticon type people implant inferiority and low self-esteem in children early because they are traumatized. It was implanted in them and they give it to you early, right? The same way that people implant negative images negative thoughts in children that is what you do to your children in the positive direction okay you implant positive images positive messages positive affirmations in your children because it's going to be some crusty ass bitch that is going to try to implant negative things in your children okay that is a fact i know it to be so the first person that told me during track season, I was getting too dark with a black woman. Okay. That's another thing. We're here to save black women. Well, let's talk about how this colorism shit and the patriarchy of it rests on the backs of some of our mothers and grandmothers and the women that are supposed to care for us and love us. Some of our mothers have told us we were too dark and that we are not beautiful and that we are not deserving. And then what happens to that? Speaking of that... My daughter's going to come, and it's something we do every day, and I'm going to get back to it. Wait. This is Samira. Wait. This is Samira. I'm going to hear. This is Samira, my five-year-old. Come in. This is my five-year-old. And so she's going to do what we do every day, okay? So you ready? Okay. We got to make sure we pop them. Okay. All right. You ready? Okay. All right. You ready? You want to hold your paper? Wait. Okay, so we on the time. You got it? You can, I can hold it. Okay. There you go. I'm in the camera. Hi. All right, now you got to read it. We don't... I am beautiful. I am a goddess. I am to be respected. I am powerful. I am source. I am loved. I am war. You are war when necessary. Absolutely. Okay? And we do that every day. You, she knows she cute. She knows she goes. Who, who, right? Who popping? Wait, uh, wait. Let me do a handshake. Oh, she got a handshake. We do this too, huh? <laughs> Inception. We do this shit every day. We really do. But I'm not Hold on, I'm, wait a minute, and I need you to be quiet while I'm saying this. My child has been reading since she was 20 months. You wanna know why? Because at two to three months, I set her in front of a reading program. I did not allow her. She does not have any doll other than a black doll. And if she get a white LOL, she has to color it with a black marker. Listen, listen, she colors it with a colored marker. All of the things that she does, even when she go to school with nine uh, black children, I take her color sheets. She color all the white girls black with black crayons or brown. Do you want to know why? I teach her 
that black is the most high because the world is going to teach her something else. So I'm very militant and adamant about what comes into my house. She knows that she better bring a little black boy home for the most part, unless he's a billionaire and he got an Arab last name. But she better try to find a black one first. Okay? That's and she knows that her features are African. Why are you pretty? Because her mama made her pretty. That's why. So you have to practice inception with your children. And if somebody didn't do it for you, you have to practice inception with yourself. Understand me? I'm good, baby. Thank you. She's over the top of it. You have to affirm yourself. The same thing that she is saying, she is beautiful, she is goddess, she is to be respected. I am powerful. I am source. I am love. I am war. You say that to yourself in the, in the mirror. Ashaki brought up a very good point about this is a man part. This is the patriarchal shit. Her beauty was not defined until her body began to, to, to fill out her ass and titties filled in. And when she became useful to a man, she thought she was beautiful from here down. Horari wasn't even a part of the goddamn equation. Because men began to determine that. As soon as she was fuckable, let's keep it a buck. As soon as she filled out she was fuckable, that is when it kicked in. But then by that time, it's too late because you are not even thinking that you're worthy. And that can lead to some fucked up decisions and fucked up relationships where your beauty and you are only valued from what you have from the neck down. Okay, that can lead to a lot of things that that can destroy you. She also mentioned something about making sure that she was over uh, compensating. She was just in, in, in extremely intelligent and just over the top. That is that was my experience simply because that's who I was. Not that I, you know, I'm in the, the brown range, but still too dark for some people range. And I was extremely intelligent. I was valedictorian of my high school class. I played basketball, ran track. I did all of those athletic things. Stop, please. You're, I need you to be quiet. So can you be quiet or do you have to leave? I need you to pick one. Be okay, so there you go. Um, I had to pick one. So what I was careful not to do, though, and because I had a father who taught me how men are like, no, I was very careful to guard myself and my body because I was very developed early as well because I knew the character of men based on what my father told me. Um, I didn't have no raggedy grandma saying shit to me um, until I got a little older then I would hear certain things. But I want us to pay attention to the over-sexualization and hyper-sexualization of darker-skinned women. That's a thing. It's a thing. It's a fetish and it's a thing. Um, so one of the things we want to talk about, think about is how people can be diabolical in, in putting bad things into the minds of children. They say the brain of a child is developed, personality is fully developed by three. So imagine a lot of these people are remembering some of these images and these memories at three and four years old. They're their first memories. That is, they've been solidified, right? So we have to work hard as grown women 
to, to surgically remove these things from a figurative standpoint and to implant positivity in our minds every day. We have to do it with our children every day in the physical world. A part of me letting my daughter go in the bathroom and put on blush and bronzer and all these things I'm going to wash off later is it is a beauty thing. We like to tell our, our dark-skinned girls, you can't wear pink, you can't wear yellow, you can't do this. Put all that shit on your face. If you got little dark-skinned girls, let them experiment with every color under the rainbow. And you implant beauty ideals and standards in them. You understand me? You do that every day. Every day. Every day you do that. Okay, you can go. She's like, I can't talk. I'm out, bitch. All right, you can go. Um, <laughs> she is she want to be the center of the show. Thank you for your participation. I love you. And I'm gonna come back, okay? Okay, peace. Um, so these are conversations. This this beauty ideal, this is an everyday thing that you do with your children, right? This is an everyday thing that you do with yourself. We are what we consume. I limit my intake of television. I want to see white bitches and damn near not black bitches on TV every day. I limit my consumption of that shit. I don't buy magazines. I don't, I don't, I, I barely watch TV because it is a psychological war against you that you don't even realize you're participating in. Think about it. Think about, and I love Beyonce. She's talented. Think about where she falls on that spectrum. Think about the Louisiana Creole connection. Think about that. Think about other people who don't have that connection. Think about, I, I'm comes to mind, Jasmine Sullivan. Think about the level of talent, the skin color, the way she, you think about that shit. Think about it. Let it sit with you. Think about it. Jasmine can sing half of their asses under the bridge, okay? But let's talk about the colorism impacts your ability to be perceived as successful. Here, I'm talking, you're done. It impacts your ability to, um, to do anything, you have to be 10 times better. You have to be, it is something that is pervasive is that if you think about what you're looking at every day, think about how Latina women, even if they're Afro-Latina, are put on a pedestal over regular smegular black girls. Think about how that exotic thing plays into uh, selection for mates and how other women feel about that. That's from men. That's from a masculine patriarchal standpoint. So as black women, what we have to do for your individual selves is you create your standard of beauty based on your line and your lineage. Okay. We'll talk about how you do that later. The next person I'm going to have to go up, well, when she comes back, I don't know where she is, but since she's not here, we're, oh, there she go. Um, we'll have Cheryl and she's going to share her experiences, um, regarding being light skinned in our community. Hey, that's my kid in the background crying. Um, so I have always felt like odd in my skin and I can't necessarily, it's because I necessarily say it's because I grew up in a place that was you know, I grew up around black people, you know, I grew up in College Park, Georgia. Um, well, we were from New York, we moved down here when I was nine. Um, you know, growing up, I 
was a sheltered kid, not sheltered where I couldn't do anything because we, I used to do stuff like, we used to read and, you know, I had all the black Barbie dolls and all the things and I would go outside, but my mother didn't let me watch BET and music videos and all the things. And when we moved to Georgia, I was like an odd kid because I didn't know who <laughs> Lil' Kim and all these people was. And I was like, I didn't curse. I didn't do any of the things. And when I was growing up, all the popular, a lot of the popular kids were, they were dark skinned. So all the really beautiful, popular girls were dark skinned. And I thought, you know, that was like the standard of beauty. And I was the oddball because I was light skinned or yellow or red, depending on who you ask. Um, and so I never, I never thought of myself as beautiful. I always knew, I'm like, oh, okay, I'm cute. You know what I'm saying? You know, cute, but I just, I've never been a shapely girl. I'm not super, now, you know, I never had a baby, so I'm a little shapely, but I've never considered myself to be beautiful. Because again, you know, down here in the South, like, I mean, you have black women of all shades, but just in my area, a lot of the more popular, intelligent girls were dark skinned. Um, and, you know, that being the thing in my school, like I was also bullied. So in middle school, I was bullied by this ugly ass dark skinned boy named Perez. <laughs> he was so fucking ugly. I don't know why he was so popular. I think it was because he played football, but he was just like, he could, probably was dumb as a box of rocks, but he chose me to pick on. Like, so sixth, seventh, eighth grade, like everyone knew all the jokes. Like I was the butt of all the jokes because I was light skinned and I had these thick ass Coke bottle glasses. <sighs> My mother had a thing for Sally Jesse Raphael TV show. So, you know, that was red. Okay, so like big red Coke bottle glasses, pale, like my mother and I had a 41 year age difference. So her taste in clothing was not the hippest. Like I didn't have, you know, I wasn't dressed to feel like I wasn't dressed like the other kids. Like I was dressed like very conservatively. Let's say that, right? So I didn't feel attractive. So, you know, I was a bookworm. I didn't curse. I still, I was still playing with Barbie dolls in like the sixth grade and people thought that shit was weird. So I stopped because I was like, well, I'm still in my head. I'm like, I'm still a kid, but these kids aren't kids. They're like mini adults. So, you know, you try to catch up with everyone else and, but I just never, you know, being picked on, I just never felt beautiful and I remember going to my mom in the sixth grade like can I please get a perm like my hair is all you know she used to straighten my hair with the hot comb on the stove you know she was like we're not putting that shit in your hair and that shit makes your, your your hair fall out I'm like but I want my hair to be straight because I'm light-skinned and you know they keep saying I'm mixed and they keep calling me they say I was I would have been a house nigger I was the first time I said that to my mom and she almost lit my ass up don't you say that word in my house I was like well I said someone told me that at school they said I was a house nigger because I was like light, I'm light-skinned and I think I'm better than everyone else and she was like if you feel how you feel about yourself, but you stay strong in the fact that you are beautiful and you're a black girl and there's nothing fucking wrong with you and house nigger or not, like, first of all, we don't even live in those times. So don't even be concerned about who was a house nigger and whatnot. 
And so what? Maybe you do have some white in your bloodline down the line, but your ass is black. She was like, you black. Okay, black people come in every shade. Your color, lighter than you, black is the black. I remember one time uh, we used to go to this very Christian non-denominational church. And so branches would come from all over the country and all over the world for like a revival kind of thing. And um, there was this, I'll never forget the first time I saw like a real, real African person. He was so black, his skin was like green. And I was just staring at him. And I'm not because he was unattractive, but I was like, his skin is so amazing. Like, how does it do that color thing? Like, my skin doesn't do that. Like, what's up with his skin? And she was like, well, he's from Africa. You know, um, a lot of Americans can be that dark, but in Africa, and she tried to explain all these things she probably know nothing about, but I was just like, his skin is so beautiful. Like, it's got like this greenish tint. Like, I just, that's so interesting. I was like, do all Africans look like this? And she was like, I don't know. <laughs> I've never been to Africa, but I'm like, how come I don't look like that? She was like, well, your grandfather's light skin, your mama's light skin, her mama's light skin, like, you just, you're not gonna have, I'm like, but I want to have black children. She was like, well, you need a man that black, and maybe your kids will come out black, but, um, like, I just, in middle school, I was picked on. In high school, i never forget, I was in ninth grade, I started taking PE my second, I guess it was semester, and Coach Shockley, I know y'all have heard of DJ Shockley. He used to go to UGA. He used to play football. His father is the coach at North Clayton High School. He was. And Coach Shockley is black as fuck. Like, he black, okay? Black, fat, ugly, whatever. But there will be days in PE where him and all the boys from my class would just sit and talk about me, how yellow I was, how I was so yellow. I looked like I belonged on The Simpsons. You know, of course, there was a thing about the glasses. Like, I would just be, you know, and for a long time, it was just me. But then it was like, you know, other kids come in. And of course, it's mostly black school. So we got a few Asian kids. All the Asian kids are super fucking smart. So they get picked on too. You know, the three white kids that go there want to be black. So, you know, you, you don't even pay them no attention because they just want to be black. Um, but I used to be the butt of all the jokes in his class. Like, and it just, it just got to a point. It's just like, I don't understand why, like, so I'm just not like, am I not cute? Like, do I, am I, because I'm light skin? I don't, I'm like, I don't understand. I thought light skin was a popular thing, but you get around white people when I went to college and they don't, not that they don't see color, but you're not light skin to them. You're not dark. So you're just a person. You know, you might be, you know, whatever you are to them, but they don't, they never treated me any sort of way that made me feel less than the way people in my own community made me feel. And so, you know, I never really felt accepted by other girls as well. I had a few girlfriends, but hanging around black girls was never just my thing because I don't know if they thought that I thought I was better than them, but I always felt like they felt some kind of way about me because I was light-skinned. So I always made a point to hang around guys because guys always accepted me. Whether I had little boobs, a little booty, it didn't matter. I was cute. Whether I was cute because I was light-skinned or whatever, they just never, it was never a thing that I felt. I was never an outcast with boys. But with girls, I always kind of felt like an outcast. 
And there will be, there was on more than one occasion, a woman telling me, you think you better than me. I'm like, I don't, well, what, how you figure that? Cause you light skin, you think you better than us. Uh, no bitch, if I'm better than you, it's just because my ass is better than you. It ain't got shit to do with my skin color. Like I'm just better than you. Like that's nothing, ain't shit about my light skin. Me and I'm better than you. Yo, I, want, I want to interject. I said that silently. <laughs> She's a child of Shango. We can't help it. <laughs> Shango and Oya, okay. Oh, Shango yeah. and Oya. So we typically feel like if we better, it's just because we are. It's but just because okay. I am. You know, it's just ain't got shit to do with my skin color. It's not about color. Like I never felt like I was better. If anything, I always felt slightly less than. And then as I got older, so even as I got older, you're dating like. I always, it's like you can't tell if men are choosing you because you're light skinned and they think you're beautiful and they think you're more attractive or if it's a fetish kind of thing. So, and not as an, well, some men just don't care. If you got a vagina, they, they just like you because you got a vagina. But like my son's father has, if you, if you ask him today, his preference is brown skinned women. His first baby mama's brown skin. His ex is brown. His most of his side pieces are brown. It's me and a couple other girls who happen to be light skin. And it's like, okay, do you fuck with us just because we're something different? You think I'm cute? I mean, let him tell it. I don't even like light skinned women. Well, now you stuck with me. So what the fuck you gonna do about it now? You can't do shit about it now. But don't think that I don't deserve as much respect because I'm light-skinned and you prefer brown-skinned women. And so that has been a thing for me lately, not, you know, recently in the last couple of years. And then it's like my son is very light-skinned and I don't want, there's a stigma around light-skinned men that they are whatever the fuck they are because they're light-skinned. Ask everybody's opinion of light skinned men is different as well. They think they're uppity, they think they're better than everyone, or this or that, or they're high maintenance or whatever. So, I'm like, every day I'm speaking life into my son, like, you are beautiful, you are intelligent, you're strong. And I do I have to do the same for myself because it's like no one else is speaking those things into me, I have to speak them to myself. So I have to tell myself I'm intelligent, I'm beautiful. And even now when people say, oh, you're so beautiful, I'm just like, what? That's so strange. Like, no, not me. And they're like, yes, bitch, you. What? I just, uh. it's, it's a hard thing for me to take compliments. Sometimes I'm in the mood like, oh, bitch, I know I'm the shit. Like, <laughs> you can't tell me I'm not the shit. Like, duh, look at all this juice. Like, and I'm black, like, oh, it's lit. <laughs> you know, but still sometimes I have moments where I do still feel very insecure and people think that's odd because I'm light-skinned I'm supposed to be super confident and I'm like no it's not that like all the really confident women I've ever seen were dark-skinned or brown-skinned and people were loving on them because they're all chocolate and beautiful and their skin is beautiful and I'm light-skinned I got acne and shit my face is always looking crazy. Like, so to me, it was always a struggle. And I always have to, I feel like I'm always trying to put my best foot forward because, if that makes any sense, because I don't feel as beautiful as everyone else. 
not that I'm not intelligent. I have all these other things going for me. And it's like, yeah, but look at her. She's dark skinned and beautiful. And her skin is so clear. And she's got fat ass. And she looks like a stallion and all these things. And I'm just like, I don't have none of that. I have little booties matter, okay, over here. <laughs> like, I just, I've never, I've always been very self-confident. I mean, not as confident as I should be because of my light skin. And it's not even anything that my, you know, my mother tried to speak life into me, but she was a brown, she was darker than me. And most of her, all of her steps, she come from a family of nine, you know, no, it was 10 of them. And they're, they range in every color. And so they're all very strong and self-aware. And to me, it was just, I don't know. I just, I think people assume because you're light skinned, you're supposed to be super confident. And people ask me, well, you know, you're light skinned. How come you don't have like hazel eyes or something? I'll be like, what? Well, light skinned people usually have different color eyes, don't they? I'm like, I don't know. I just, hell, what the fuck do I know? But my mother has my birth mother. So the woman who raised me was my adopted mother. But my birth mother has like green eyes. My grandmother, who is also light skinned, has gray eyes. A lot of my cousins, are light skinned with these beautiful color eyes. And I got these nice, cute brown eyes, but I'm just like, I don't know why I don't look like everybody else. I don't know why I'm not as confident as everybody else. And I'm like, it's just, I've always felt like an oddball because I was light skinned. And I always used to want to go outside so I could tan up. People, you're too pale and you need a tan and you need to, you know, and I'm just like, do I, do I need a tan? Why do I, like, why do I need to tan? Why do I need to do that? So I can be the co same color as somebody else? Like, don't black people come in every fucking shape? Like, I can't just be light-skinned? Like, I can't just be, you know, but I do think over the years I have been fetishized because I'm light-skinned. You know, I've never even thought about the whole job thing, being chosen because I blend in. But like, I've, and now that I think about it, it could have been, you know, because of my looks, she'll fit in well here. She clean, like she looks like she could code switch at the drop of a dime, you know, and being in a, an industry, I'm in property management where there are a lot of white people and a lot of the companies are owned by white people. Now that I'm thinking about it, it's like, okay. And then I have over the years, I know how to code switch. I know how to turn my professional voice on like a motherfucker. And then I know how to cut your ass out. Like, bitch, don't who the fuck is you talking to? Like, like, but it's, you know, so, uh, yeah. But yeah, that's it. <laughs> okay, I got so many things, right? So um, in the beginning of the show, I talked about the nuances, right, of colorism. So let me tell you where Cassie and Cheryl fit in, okay? So Cassie, this is my assessment. Cassie has what, what we would consider, just for the sake of, you know, lack of a better word, European, more European features, right? Because she is, is biracial. So she has the Pajinsky and then she has her mother, right? Cheryl, who is also lighter, very light, has more African features in her nose. She has a phenotypically African nose, but she does not have the same things that a shocking got so much attention for the hips and ass and the you do you see and this is the patriarchal portion i want you to pay attention to everybody right where a shockies value 
in the scheme of colorism was based on her shape. That's where her, her affirmation came. Cheryl's affirmation from some of the men in her life and being fetishized came from her being light. But there was also uh, this dichotomy because the girls who looked like a shocky were shaping like, like a shocky were getting all this attention that Cheryl said she wasn't getting because they were popping and they were shapely. So do you see how fucking crazy it is, right? Yeah. That's why it's a psychological war because this shit is not real. Back to the original statement. Patriarchy is the oldest form of domination. It is the earliest system of domination that is the world historical defeat of the female sex. Okay. How do you defeat the female sex? You create, and I'm talking about black women, you create divisions, you create psychological warfare, and you create destruction amongst women. Cheryl says she didn't even believe in sisterhood like that. The boys were who she gravitated toward because of the darker girls, this perception that Cheryl thought she was better, this perception that they were inferior, which led to them thinking that she was better. It was because in their minds, lighter skin represented better. Because on plantations, that is the setup of white, masculine imperialism colonialism that is the setup right that is the setup that is the same fucking formula they use in every fucking country it's used in india it's used in asia it is it was used in australia with the indigenous people there it is the same setup when you think about the conquerors in africa the first thing they did was get the women impregnate the black women there's a thing now where people want to be gravitating toward light and almost white. The first things conquerors would do would find the indigenous women and impregnate them, okay? Because they knew we were source, okay? So the biggest thing now is addressing sisterhood, right? So there has to be a conscious thing that we do, okay? And that conscious thing that we do, the first thing has to be assessing the truth and your feelings about colorism and dealing with your own inner problems. If you know you that nasty bitch that was fucking with Cheryl and you had an issue because she's light and you must think you better than me. If you that bitch, you got to fix that bitch, right? And if you are the light-skinned woman, because we're going to talk about this, there are some light-skinned women, I know I got them in my family, who use that shit to their advantage and they play games. Okay, they play the you black as shit games. That's why no nigga ain't gonna want you games. They play those games. I've seen it out of my mouth. I saw a girl get her ass drugged in high school, and I had no no feelings about the shit. Cause I heard her tell a darker skinned girl who was way smarter than her, just like, "Well, I'll make it in life, and I'm gonna be better than you because." And this is what she said. I swear to God, cause I'm 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 light skinned and I'm thick. This was high school. She said, "Because, but listen, check it out. We talked about the value of the body part, the thickness, the shapeliness of the black woman. We talked about the perceived value of the light skin. Put them two motherfuckers together and see what you get in a person who's undeveloped in their thought, who's not been taught that they are an African, and their sisters are African as well. You get a bitch with a reckless mouth. And that day, I never forget, because we're going to blast through black neighborhoods. She got fucked up in her own room and you couldn't say nothing. 
Because that, when she said that to that girl who was more intelligent on paper and a nicer person, just a better person all the way around, what she did was she said this thing that had been implanted that you are not good enough. And that even though you're smarter than me and you do this, I'm better than you because I'm light-skinned and I'm fine, bitch. That, that is the part that we have to fix. When we weaponize our shapes, because that's another, when we weaponize our body. You know, when black women are doing all kinds of shit to their bodies to look a certain way now. When we weaponize our bodies, when we weaponize our skin tone to hurt other women that, that are our sisters. And we weaponize it to hurt them in the name of raggedy ass men too. Okay? That's a thing that happens all the time. Okay? So um, I'm not going to get into too much more. I got some more stuff. But we're going to have Wilda um, come up and talk about her experiences. I know she's had some experiences with her mother um, that relate to this. But we're going to talk about that. And then after her, we are going to do our Ashe break in, in, in terms of letting everybody um, uh, introduce themselves and what they do and their cash apps and stuff. And then we're going to talk about how this affects our mate selection, how it affects what you allow a man to treat you like based on what your own self-worth is. And then we're going to talk about tangible things we can do every day, tangible shit we're going to do every day to um break the spell of colorism it's a spell the shit ain't real it's not it's, it, it exists but the impact it should have in your life and how you behave and treat your sisters is what should not exist so we're going to talk about breaking the spell and how to behave the code of conduct for that all right come on miss wilder oh oh my god if anybody is feeling I'm, i feel like i'm buzzing because of all the stories it's just so it's really just so fucking sad and so I didn't even remember this story until, ironically enough, my high school friend Zoila, who is on now, it made me think about school. And I don't know if you went to Horseman with me, but it made me think about Horseman. And I've had earlier memories, but this one right here is just one of the first stories that I have when it comes to the division of women, lighter and darker. And I will never forget this day. I was in seventh grade, in seventh period, and uh, Zola, you might remember them, but there was a pair of, the, I don't know, I think they were the most beautiful girls. And it's funny because one was as dark as me and the other one was uh, as light as Cheryl, I guess. And so every day after school, I was not into boys or anything like that. I was just super tomboyish and I was not even caring about no boys like that. But I would notice that about 15 to 10 minutes before the bell would ring and I'm gonna put them out there. It wasn't Marie, which was the, the girl that looked like me, but more Yana. Um, but both of them actually would go and get really cute. They would get the little gel out and then they would do the, the whole um, hair sweep thing. You guys are about to make some noise? Okay, okay, perfect. And so they would do the whole baby hair laid thing and I knew nothing about baby hair because I didn't have any, I still don't. <laughs> so they would lay down the baby hair they would get the lip gloss popping. And it was my first recollection of women actually, quote unquote, manipulating themselves for the attention of boys. I never paid attention before. And I was like, you know, I'm like, oh, okay, that's, that's cool. I don't do all that shit, whatever. I'm just gonna play and run outside and you know, go throw a football or whatever. That's just what I was into. 
And so little by little, I would notice that the boys would always gravitate towards Marie and Yana, always. And I was like, damn, that's, that's cool, right? To, to command that kind of attention at such an early age. I knew nothing about that. And so one day, I sat directly in front of Yana and Marie sat next to her and they were doing their thing. And as they were doing, and as they got that little, uh, got the little grease going, I said, oh, Yana, can I, can I have some of that? And she turned around and looked at me and she looked and she pointed at this <laughs> cheap ass $2 store fucking grease. And she goes, do you know how much this costs? And I'm like, no, I don't. I don't, I don't know how much fucking hair grease costs. Like what the fuck? <laughs> I just want the fucking grease on my baby hair that I don't, that I don't have. And I sat with that for a second because I couldn't understand why that was her question until I went home and realized that she was just letting me know two things. One, that she and Marie are considered pretty because Marie had these really beautiful features that I don't have. My lips are thick as fuck and she didn't. She had a much- I wanna, I wanna, I wanna correct you yeah. uh, real quick. Okay, your lips are thick and they are beautiful because other motherfuckers. I know are this. Masculine. I right, know. But I want you. I want. I want you to be careful because see that yeah. little girl is still using defeated language. Your lips. Your lips are full. Listen. <laughs> listen. Still, still. Defeated language, right? Because I'm gonna tell you, I got a, I got thick lips too. These shits popping. You know how I learned they was popping. <laughs> My grandmother, my father would, my mother would, would tell me, look, man, you got, I wish I had your lips, okay? Yeah. So that little girl, whatever her features were, they was hers, but your lips are what bitches going to the plastic surgeon and dermatologist's office. No. Let, let, let's you talk did. about how the fuck Kylie Jenner became a fucking billionaire okay, off of some shit. Okay. We don't create space for okay. bitches. Okay. So you worry about her, but. Listen. I wanted to interject that. I, mean, I want you, you to go back to Thank the, you. Let's go your back. description so Let's that you back. are not defeating yourself now. Go so back. go ahead, continue. Okay. So that's what, that's what I felt. I was like, you know, my lips were this way and theirs were that. And because of their more, you know, um, European features that, that was, because I'm like, it was weird that she would say that to me being that her best friend was dark. But I figured what it was, was that she was more dainty and feminine and maybe my black looked very African to her. I don't know what it was, but that moment was the very first time a, a, another woman, a girl had let me know I wasn't pretty. Um, or at, at least in school setting, right? So it's funny because Zoila, you, you being here made me remember that. So I appreciate you coming here. Thank you. Okay, so there was that. I also remember um, around that time, now that I think about, oh my God, middle school is so fucking hard. Around that time is when I, when I had the conversation with my mother that I wanted to start bleaching. I told my mom that I don't feel pretty, I'm too black, I'm too dark, that I want to start bleaching. And she hesitated, she hated that. But my grandmother, who just came in to, um, it came in to the country from Haiti, we're Haitian, I'm Haitian, and she, you know, she's like, you know, let her, let her, let her explore her beauty type of thing. And so, she, my mother hesitated, but my grandmother had her own notions of what beauty was. And I started bleaching for probably about all of two months. And I hated it. I was like, God, this makes me feel so fake. I fucking hate this shit. And I stopped immediately. I figured I was probably just going to be black and ugly and then call it a day. And that was it. And, and you know, you hear my mother never did the whole light skin thing. We're all dark as fuck. My mom black. My daddy's even darker. 
So she never, you know, there was no, 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 um, com there was n never that conversation of feeling ugly because you're black. But my mother did always say little things about being, being pretty um, and doing this. Uh, she, rem she reminded me that she would always try to shape my nose when I was, when I was little, when I was young. And so she would always try to bring it down just a little bit. When I was a baby, try to shape it. And I never understood why, because this is just how I was born. So I didn't understand that. So as, as she's telling me this, I thought that was kind of weird so that my nose would look less ethnic, less African and more European. And that's something that she admitted to, right? And so you grow up with all of these standards of beauty. I never had an issue with light-skinned women, ever. I never understood that. I never was on that spectrum of hate. It was always looking at myself in comparison of what other people thought was beautiful, and I felt like I never fit into any of those things. Now, we talk about dating. My father, although he's here, he's a great man. He's still here in my, you know, they're still together. My father never um, made me feel beautiful. If anything, he never reinforced any beauty standards or anything. My mother didn't really do that. She did a lot of damage. But what my father reminded me of was how thick my lips were. Man, uh, and this is in Creole, but I'll say it in English, but he was like, yo, you have really large lips. And I used to hate my lips. I used to hate it. I used to feel like the minute I can, when I get older, plastic surgery is not popping now, but I'm going to remove some of this shit because uh, I hate my lips so ma so much. Who was it that mentioned Ashaki, the uh, the wearing red? All right, I want to interject. I want to interject yes. again. Yes, yes, I would yes. like to use the past tense when you say hate. I want you to say hated. Hated. I want it to be in past yes. tense because yes. I want you to understand that words are powerful and they're spells. I, and so I, I hear when I hear this, this is what I see. There's a lot of work, that, and there's some some inception work that you got to do with yourself, right? Mm -hmm. It has to be vocal. It has to be verbal. And there's some some figurative surgical uh, things you need to remove. That's the only that's the only surgery you need to do. You don't need to do anything else to your face, yes, your yes, mouth. So I, I'm gonna let you continue, but I just want you to be. No, I appreciate it. Right? Okay. okay. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. And so I I I would not wear the color red. Um, that was hard for me to do. I think I probably recently recently started wearing red lips. I don't wear it every day. And even it's still a little hard for me to see color on my lips because it just, those images still kind of, oh my God, that's just too light. That's too red. I stay with lip gloss and I will do a nude at most because it makes me feel more, most natural. And then the red for me, just those, those thoughts of dark girls don't wear red lips type of thing just still um, is something that I'm just still not comfortable with. I'm just now getting comfortable with makeup. So when I see your daughter, I'm like, oh my God, like, yes, 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 yes. Pop in. You know what you have to do? What you have to do to come back that, you can start off cheap. You can go to Dollar Tree. Don't jump right in the fence. Oh, I got some stuff. I got some stuff now. I'm playing. I'm playing. Yes. But no, every day when you get up in the morning, every day, listen to me. Get a get one that is not that you can't take off one of the long wear ones. Do that in the morning. I don't yes. give a fuck if you're going to to rake the living room. <laughs> if you want to rake the yard, whatever, put that shit on. on. And what you're going to do is you're going to train your mind. Yes. Okay. You're gonna train because I see with you, you go in between this little girl and this grown person, and 
you're still holding on. You got to chuck that bitch over. That girl who thinks that the lipstick is to this, yeah. that person, you have to, you have to help her to die. And yeah. the way you help her to die, help your current self to live, mm. is you do the things that make you cringe. That lipstick, mm. those bright colors. You find the colors that you like. Red is popping. I don't give a fuck what you say. I like all the colors. And you put that on your mouth. You make sure you blend it with your liner. You do that every day. Every day. Every day, without exception. Go ahead. That's okay. So that's the homework. I, pre I like homework, by the way. So, you know, that there's that. And um, I also mentioned that I'm Haitian. And so I don't know if you know, you probably will, a lot of you know, we, when I say we, the island of Hispaniola is divided by one half or third Haiti and the other half Dominican Republic. And again, it wasn't until I got a little bit older that I started to hear the conversations of my Dominican brothers and sisters. I probably have family there and I don't even know don't even consider themselves black. Looking as dark as me, they do not consider themselves black. And I'm like, bitch, if you just did a fucking ancestry DNA, you will, f like, how do you not, the history is written. Even if you didn't do the DNA, the history is written that we were brought here. We were colonized. We were oppressed. And we were slaves. The idea of accepting that, they would rather die. They would rather die. And I'm thinking, this is a fucking psychosis deeper than I can even begin to articulate to be, to be able to talk to, 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 to be able to talk about. So then there's that. Now you have Cardi B who's having a very public conversation who is Dominican, who is dating a black man. And it's like, like I'm disgusted by my people. This does not even make any sense. How are we going anywhere? when you don't even see yourself as black. I don't understand that. So there's that, right? The battle that I'm also having now, and this broke my heart, and this was like, nah, fuck, what the hell are we gonna do? Because this cannot exist in my house. I have five kids. Um, you didn't catch the introduction. I am a mother of five. I birthed them, all the motherfuckers, naturally with no medical intervention. I'm super proud of that. Thank you, Dr. Neff, for making me stand in that because I used to be, I used to feel a type, a type of way. We talk about division. It exists in so many realms because another- No more shrinking. No, no more shrinking. No, no more fucking shrinking. No more. You're good. You're well. Okay. This is my nurse who is Haitian, a black woman. When I told her, hey, uh, she was, when I did my six weeks, she was like, oh my God, it's been so long. How was the birth? I explained to her that I pushed the motherfuckers out naturally. She was like, oh my God, that's amazing. But don't say that too loud because other women will hate you. And I'm like, oh, okay. Like, I, I, but I did this though. Like, why am I going to shrink that to make other people feel a type of way? I didn't understand that. That's another story for another day. But my daughter, who is six, these, this is not her. These were the twins. I'm talking about my birth story. But my daughter, who is six, as early as, uh, about six months ago, she asked, why don't I have bright skin? Y'all, that took me for, oh, that, 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 my soul left my body that day. I needed, I cried, and not in front of her, but I said, I'm doing something wrong, and I know, I'm not sure what it is, but there's something that I'm not doing, and I realized what it was. The images, what is she seeing? You, you gotta go. cut that shit. Oh, you this better is. fucking believe it quick and quick. One thing that I don't do is I can afford it, but I don't have my kids 
everyone have a tablet because imagery is so fucking important. And that's something that I saw a long time ago. Imagery is so fucking important that you have the children who grow up on these YouTube shows, on these damn Netflix shows, and they look not, even till this day, look nothing like me, look nothing like my kids, look nothing like my family. But you see the kids watching Ryan all day, watching these doll tutorials all day. And I realized where it was coming from. I'm like, we're going to get rid of this fucking black, uh, this fucking white doll with the blonde hair. We're going to get rid of this tablet because what you are not going to do is damage your self-worth at this age now. And you got a mama that is as confident as I am and a daddy that loves you. You will not let some stranger foreigner come here and damage your self-worth. We're not doing that shit. And so that day I cut everything off. We went right to the store and her godmother got her two brown um, um dolls i got her a uh she because she likes to play with hair i got her a um a doll not a doll but a, a mannequin head that is brown her and her daughter both got dolls that look like them because the imagery the messages the media we don't even see it as that it's so fucking important and you mentioned that dr neff it's so important that this is the reason why i can't listen to a lot of music is because you hear the colorism in the music. Oh, team red skin, team light skin. I could cringe every time I hear that shit. And I'm thinking to myself, they don't even, oh, of course black media, cause it's our music, it's trap music, it's hood music, it's all the music that we like to twerk to, but they're so putting that out there that they think that they're putting out popping music, but music is a spell and music will put you in a trance. And it will get you to a point of high vibration or low vibration. And when you keep listening to the radio, to urban radio especially, all they do is play the shit that make you want to dance but not think, that make you hate yourself after because you, even Beyonce does, does it all the time. Well, these, this, 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 the, uh, what she said something about being red skin or this red bone. And I'm like, Beyonce, you're not you're not even all that red bone. Like you're not, you're not really that light skin, but okay, I'm gonna let you have that. That's the reason why I have a problem with her. But other than that, whatever. And so now I have my daughter, I'm fighting the music. I don't listen to that kind of music in my house. I don't let that shit come into my house. But whenever we have a family gathering, I mostly hang with my, my husband's, um, 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 ch not children, but uh, nieces and nephews and their family, because mine are, are all kind of scattered, but they've kind of maintained family like that is when they get together. And I don't know what starts it. You will, because they're all over the spectrum. you got those that are mixed. I have a black and Spanish niece. I have a niece that is a little bit light skinned be just because then you have them um, that are as dark as me and they will get into these competition and literally will try to force the division and will team light skin and eh, team dark skin will, will counter that. I go in and I'm like, we are not going to bring this shit up in my fucking house. That low vibration shit. You're all motherfucking black. Cut that shit off right the fuck now. I don't do that shit. I don't bring that shit in my house. Then I have my stepson. I have a 20 year old stepson. Um, and then together his dad and I have uh, five kids, but he had a child from a previous relationship where just the other day, and he does, and he knows it bothers me. And this is a conversation I need to have with his mother at this point, who is light skinned, whose grandfather is white. I don't know what kind of damage she did to him. I, I was raised with him and he will come. He came into the house. And he's talking to my nephew, my, my husband's nephew. 
and he goes, Ooh, Noah, Noah, it's too red, it's too light skin or too red, red, red bones out there. You could go, you could get them. And I thought, hold the fuck up. Sure, hold the motherfucker up. Hold on. First of all, we are not gonna fetishize women by the fucking complexion of their skin. Number one, number two, so you think just because they're red that you can get them? Or is that you feeling like you can get red girls and dark skin are gonna dark skin girls are gonna shush you out? What the fuck, Jaden? We don't do that shit. I, I keep telling you, don't bring that shit in my house. My children will not hear you talk that way. If you want to talk like that, you go talk to your fucking friends. You must think that because you're dating a Spanish chick that you upgraded, I don't fucking do that. And if I have to talk to your mom and your dad, I promise you I will. I don't talk like that in my house. You come to my house, you are beautiful. You are a human being, especially you are all my children. All y'all black motherfuckers are black. You're African. You are all love. Don't bring that shit in my house. His mother did something when she came to see my youngest child. He is now one. This had to be at least six months ago because we were quarantined. This had to be in March if we're so maybe six to eight months. I don't know. And she's holding him and she's like, oh, you must like red girls. I was like, no, bitch. No, bitch. No. My fucking son is a friendly ass motherfucker who loves people. His mama black, his daddy black. You happen to be something he's never seen before. Stop that shit. Stop it. I don't fucking know where you get that shit from. I don't do that shit in my house. I cut that shit off right the fuck now. I don't do colorism in my house. I don't. I don't. If you came out light, it's because you light. If you came out dark, it's because you, you look like me. Other than that, like my daughters are lighter than me. And it's because of their father's side. But other than, I, I, don't, I don't understand that. And so I'm battling the media. I'm battling this. And I feel like my work within the family is to talk about this very, very, poisonous subject in our community and i feel like that's the work that i have to do in my family that's all i got y'all i'm so energized right now i'm so fucking mad <laughs> listen, that's that, that's that listen so so listen i was just um i took notes i want to go back to address something yeah. so um do you see well can you put yourself on mute for me yeah um do you see i can palpate Wilda's energy, like her energy is very, it jumps out of the screen. The, you know, that's that Haitian blood, that revolutionary blood, you know, you just, it, it's just that, right? So we gotta be vigilant though, right? Do you see how sneaky and how we slip colorism in? You must like red bones, red bones, red bones, and team this and that. I want you guys to go take a look. And I got an episode coming up on tribalism. Go look at, uh, I think, is it, um, is it Chancellor Williams? Somebody give me a thumbs up if it's Chancellor Williams, The Destruction of Black Civilization. And he talks about tribalism and how that's how our black ass has gotten shackled and how we lost everything that we had, right? So colorism to me is a form of tribalism amongst black women. And it can be, and it can be the light-skinned European feature tribe. It could be... The, the light skin, nerdy, Sally Jesse Raphael, glasses, smart tribe. It can be the thick girl. It, it, it is just whatever it is, all the nuances, right? Um, but what I want to talk about, we're going to go to, uh, we had mentioned, there was a period of the show during the chat where I believe somebody had discussed uh, black little girls and pushing them to date black men when these type of games are played. And so we were talking about patriarchy. All men benefit from patriarchy. Patriarchy has a hierarchy, right? 
black men fall in the lower categories of the hierarchy. It's like white men, other men, Asian men, whatever, and then black men are pretty much at the bottom in, the, in their positions of in their hierarchy and patriarchy. So what you tend to find a lot of times is that power when they get it, they exercise it in very, 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 very uh, hypervisioned ways with black women. And that goes for light skin, dark skin. It also goes from policing uh, your sexual proclivities. It also goes into policing how you dress. And most recently we got what, what a nigga named J. Cole or the police show tone. Um, so they want to police every goddamn thing, but white people kicking their ass. So we have to really look at that. You understand? And it doesn't mean, and, and, and patriarchy is that there's a spectrum. There are some men who are not as bad as others, but they all benefit, right? So the thing about black men and patriarchy, one of the things that black women need to really understand, I want to say this word so that you understand it. This is like my word of the rest of the year. You have to divest, okay? You divest. That means you remove all of your ashe from the machine, okay? And you divest by divesting from colorism. You black women, black sisters, you don't play these colorism games with your sisters in the name of getting, keeping, or whatever a black man or any type of man, you divest, okay? And the reason I say that is because, um, and for those of you who are not spiritual, you may not understand this, but from the perspective of the black woman and from the perspective of archaeology, the oldest thing on the planet ever to have been found is a black woman, okay? Tanzania, look it up. So being that black women, we create all things. Ashaka had already mentioned she got kids that popped up one color, another color. You want to know why? Because we're the only woman on the planet that can produce all the other colors. Okay? So in us, we all reside. There's nothing that doesn't reside in us, right? So effectively, when you are fighting your lighter-skinned sister, you are fighting a piece of yourself. When you are fighting your darker skinned sister, you are fighting a piece of yourself, okay? Let me tell you why. That thing, light skinned sisters, all my light skinned red bones, yellow bones, all the, all y'all, the thing that men, and this is the trick that they are attracted to in you, outside of just being regular white, that drop of blood that gave you that curl that gave you that exotic thing is the blackest of the black of the black. It is the source of melanin. It is the wilder. That drop of wilder that went into that white pond is what made the motherfuckers even want you. Okay? Conversely, look at our European counterparts. They're paying a fucking absorbent amount of money for melanin. They are going into the sun, catching skin cancer to obtain a little bit of what you have. They are getting all kinds of cancers and shit, injecting the rest of them and everything else into their bodies, their hips and everything else to be you. So if you look at the psychology of the situation outside of the black community, you believe your eyes and your ears, you see they are trying to gravitate towards you because you are source. I am source. You are source. You understand? So. What you have to do, for lack of a better way to explain it, is look at what the European is doing. Unknown. Drift, the physical trying to drift towards source. You try to drift towards source. And what that means from the perspective of an African, 
and Wilda touched on it with the Dominicans and with the Haitians. I know what my blood and my bones say. My blood and bones say I'm 86% Nigerian. My Idile reading says that my people come from the Ibibio tribe, one of the most ancient groups of Nigerians on the continent. When I go research those people, I see my features in the art. I see my features in the people. And so therefore, my beauty and my prerequisite for beauty is within my line only. I use the example with my sister Larisha, who's going to be coming in in a minute to discuss some things. If you are a lion and you belong to a specific pride, you're going to look like, act like, behave like your pride, right? If I am a lion, why the fuck am I looking at hyenas and giraffes comparing my beauty to that? Wonder why I ain't got a long neck, why I ain't got spots and shit. Because you ain't no motherfucking giraffe, that's why. So you're comparing yourself to a European, why? You ain't no goddamn European. Your beauty standard is that of your blood and your bones. But motherfuckers and a lot of black people too fucking scared to go get their DNA done because they don't want to be African. They don't want to identify with that. And so then that's when you cut yourself off from the umbilical cord of what you really are, your blood and your bones. So when you go see, Will, do you get your shit? Okay, my lineages have thick lips, wide nose. That is why my beauty standard is thick lips, wide nose, my cheekbones. That's my line. That's my lane. I'm a fucking lion. I ain't out here no damn giraffe or no goddamn bunny. So I don't want to have a little cute little tail and that ain't what I do. We eat shit, fuck shit up over here so my shit look like this. You feel me? So, no, my hair ain't going to be this. My hair going to look like this because that's what my tribe is. So when you find your tribe with your blood, your physical blood and your bones say, and you stay in your motherfucking lane of beauty, you can't be nothing other than that. Your nose is going to look like the people your nose came from. It ain't going to look like the mother people who conquered you and took over and taught you something different. Because that's not reality. That is not our thing. So um, we're going to just real quick, and then Reese is going to cut in. There was a conversation about black men hierarchy and pushing black girls to marry black men. I think that that is uh, a very good question, Ashley. I think that I have been caught... In between my own experiences, I'm divorced. Um, and I know the struggles that you deal with with black men. I just, it's something that I will not experience again and will not deal with in terms of putting up with certain things from a black man or any man. Um, because what I realized for black men is there a lot of time, there is a struggle for identity and manhood. And a lot of times what they identify as manhood leads to the suppression emotional and sometimes if you if you go for that shit physical abuse of black women right we are their biggest supporters we are um inappropriately on the front line that's another thing divest from that shit divest from putting your physical mental and emotional selves at risk for men who cannot and will not fight and die for their own black men typically cap lie and bullshit for other black men on lesser shit drugs holes everything but when another black man is dying in the streets at the hands of a white policeman, black women are running in droves and being murdered, punched in the face and everything by other black men, black policemen, black sexual assault people. You look at that baby, Toyin out of Tallahassee, was protesting for black men, rape, murdered by a black man. So there is some thinking we have to do about that. Everybody wants us to stay in a woman's place until a motherfucker get killed and they want you to be a goddamn uh, 
stormtrooper in this bitch. So what you have to do is you divest from that as well. You take up self-care and loving on yourself and affirming yourself in your beauty, whether you know, light or dark, to counteract that. Um, and regarding black girls, I don't have an answer for that because I definitely don't want my daughter having to deal with um, where the black man falls in the hierarchy of patriarchy and where they really don't protect and provide in mass for black women. I've never seen it. And every group that was supposed to be designed to liberate black people, black women and children have been exploited, whether it be the NOI, whether it be any of the black liberation movements, whether it be any of those things. If the children suffer, was when a lot of times when black men get unlimited access to power, something that they never had, they will sell out their own countries, which is why you see some of the issues in Africa. They will sell out their own people and they will sell out their own women and children. And they will not protect and provide for their own children in, in mass. I'm not talking about specific pockets of black men who do that, who do their job. I'm talking about in mass, which is why other races of men are higher up in, in, in the, the patriarchal realm because they do provide property and protection for the women that they do subject to abuse and other things. So the benefit for those women is, well, my husband's going to make sure that my children go to college and I have property and I'm well taken care of. Whereas black men want to be able to do some of the same shit and you have none of that. So that is kind of the thing we don't want our daughters to experience. But I am in the belief that there are good people we just have to create them and my daughter is young enough you guys have sons you can create the men that we're talking about we can create those men for our daughters because we are the first teachers of our children wilda telling her 20 year old that she's not gonna he's not gonna teach this shit to her son she's going to create a, a son or a boy that is going to be wonderful for my daughter you understand we create these children out of our bodies we push them out we mold and create the world as black women as the first physical thing on this planet. We create that. It just has to be something that is purposeful and something that you do consistently every day. So that the solution is we're going to create the men that we want our daughters to be with. Okay. Cause they're young enough. Right. Um, Reesh is going to hop in and then we got some special after Reesh. Oops. Hey y'all. I um before I start my rant about colorism, I want to take a moment of silence and acknowledge um black women and black femmes who have been killed, murdered, um, and lost their lives in fights for justice and just because they was living their black ass lives. Okay. Um Oluwatoyan Salu. Raya Milton, Dominique Remy Fells, Tatiana Jefferson, Brianna Taylor, Pamela Turner, Sandra Bland, Yvette Smith, Shelley Frey, Darnisha Harris, Melissa Williams, Miriam Carey, Rakia Boyd, Ayana Stanley Jones, Tarika Wilson, and Katherine Johnston. That's a very small number from a very long list um, that I found and that I saw, but I, I just, I wanted to say their names out loud. Um, nothing is more important to me than black women, okay? And 
it took me a very long time, a whole lifetime of experiences and learning and indoctrination from Black women to be able to say that, right? Um, Wilda, all right, I want you to know that I see you and I, I can sense and I feel the work that you've done to come to the place that you're at right now, right? Um, but you have to get into your own mind, right? You have the look of the bronze busts from Benin. Um, I don't know how into art y'all are, but if you ever go, just Google bronze bust Benin and you look just like those sculptures that those artists took the time to chisel. They chiseled those features out, those wide noses and those super thick, super cool and list. Yep, bronze bust from Benin, okay? Benin, B-E-N-I-N. I would put money on um, your ancestors being from that part of the world, that part of Africa. Um, you, Your face, and your features and your tone, you are a literal work of art, okay? And I need you to know that your teeth, these gaps, these buck teeth, these are African teeth, okay? Um, it took me a long time to get comfortable with my teeth. It took me up until my 30s to be fine with my buck teeth and my gap, right? To smile without without covering my face, without, you know, covering my mouth up, right? I used to, <laughs> I would laugh and cover my mouth and I don't do that no more, right? One of the, I, I don't have a whole lot of um, personal stories of experience and colorism. I got personal stories of observing it, right? And watching it happen. Watching the boys on my school bus called this beautiful dark skinned girl um, call her all types of names, talk about how big she was, talk about how black she was. I used to see her cry on the bus. I used to sit with her on the bus when I first started riding the bus. I asked her, could I sit with her? And she said, yeah, you could sit with me. And we would sit and we would talk and we was cool. And then she just stopped sitting with me. Like out of nowhere, she just, she didn't want to sit with me. Um, when we got on the bus, I would notice she would look at me and go to another seat. And I didn't understand why. I was like, why is she acting like that? So when I got on, I didn't say why, because I thought she, I was like, all right, well, I just take it. She don't want to sit with me no more. And I don't know if it was that she was embarrassed that I would tell the boys to shut up. Like I would tell them to stop. Um, do you have a goddess that I can put in my house? Um, you are the I hit her. I hit her, I hit her back, Reesh. Okay, okay, okay. You told her she's the goddess that she could put in her house, right? Yeah, but I was, I got some, but I, yeah, for sure. Okay. I'm going to talk to her. All right, all right. Um, yeah, I wasn't sure why, you know, I was like, I don't understand, but you know, all right, she don't want to sit with me. She don't like me no more. It's cool. And I didn't fuss about it. Um, but from a social and political and personal level, colorism affects all of us. Even if we haven't had personal experiences with it. If you brown skin, you sitting in the middle, you watching people clown on light skinned girls or put light skinned girls on a pedestal, put light skinned men on a pedestal. 
and you watching them clown dark skinned women and you watching them clown dark skinned men, right? You never see um, dark skin, our dark skinned brothers and sisters get put on a pedestal in the same way, right? So one of the things that um, we can do, like Dr. Neff was saying, as far as divestment goes, ways to divest from these colorist ideals that exist in every single one of us. The first thing is stop saying colorist shit, right? Um, stop pointing out the beauty of light skin, right? Don't look at, try, even if you see these things in this way, work on not saying it, right? Because when you, when you are careful of the words that you use, then you can then retrain your mind to think a, certain, think a whole different way right so stop saying colorist shit stop pointing out and pedestalizing and fetishizing light skin right um the only okay this is on point but the only disney movies my daughter has ever watched are moana and the princess and the frog the reason for that is <clears throat> i didn't want her um i didn't want to put low self-esteem in her at a young age okay um as a little girl at four and five years old watching cinderella and sleeping beauty and snow white and movies like that it made me feel like being black wasn't as beautiful as being white i always felt pretty right my mother always told me how pretty i was my family always said how oh larisha you so pretty right i always got how pretty i was but when i saw images and popular media, I didn't see myself reflected back in them, okay? So I don't let her watch things that she can't see herself in, all right? Um, she doesn't know what good hair is, right? She doesn't know what that means. It's been said to her and she don't know what you're talking about when you say it. And so when she comes back and asks me, I say it's healthy hair, mommy. They're trying to say that I moisturize your hair well, right? that I braid it nice and it, 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 it stays kept up. That's all, you know. Um, it's, I'm just, it's, I'm so, this conversation, it really touches me because as black women, we owe our responsibilities to each other, right? And that's it. People who have mistreated and abused us, okay? The society that we live in, the black men we gave birth to, right? Um, the, the white children that we nursed from our breasts, right? The people that we prayed for, they all owe us, right? Since they're not going to pay us what is owed, we have to provide this for each other, right? So it's never a situation where I don't understand, you know, our frustration with the people who owe us what we're owed, what they owe us for giving birth to them, for feeding them, for clothing them, for taking care of them, for putting up with their shit for decades, for centuries, right? If reparations is going to be paid, it needs to be paid first to Black women, okay? Um, a study in North Carolina prison showed that light-skinned women were sentenced to 12% less prison time than dark-skinned women. Okay, um, the conversation or the question of whether or not colorism is a thing, it 
it shouldn't even be that should not be the part of the conversation we have to go beyond that to the next steps of how do i eliminate this from my psyche um so i want to ask um if we have time maybe ask everybody how you plan on or how you're going to moving forward eliminate colorism from your psyche from your own processes and the way that you view things the way that you view blackness the way that you view colorism as a branch on the tree of eurocentrism right because this is not like we said earlier on this is not something that we got from white people or that we learn from white people as children we get this from our mothers we get this from our grandmothers we get this from our fathers we get this from nelly right we get this from jay-z right we get this from <laughs> You know, every artist that we listen to that we deem worthy of our praise and respect and we honor them and we want them to get awards and we want them to get praise. These are people who will blast you for being dark skinned and who will praise you for being light skinned and will give you this low self-esteem and this false confidence just based on what you look like. Okay, what is that doing for anybody? Congratulations. You know what I'm saying? It was, who was it? Um, I don't even want to say his name because I don't want to quote him because he's a bastard too. But he said, you know, if you're beautiful or considered beautiful, but your personality is fucked up, it's like, okay, congratulations about your face. Congratulations about your light skin. Good for you. What can you do with that? Besides it being, you know, your social currency in the grand scheme of things, can you grow can you grow some onions and potatoes, right? What can you do for the nation we want to see built after all of this crumbles and falls down with your light skin? Nothing. What can you do with your dark skin? Nothing, right? All you can do is be the person that you, um, that you need to be, right? Um, Khalil said, as a 23-year-old African man living in America, I can most definitely acknowledge that I have work to do on myself firstly. I'm still learning that as a man, I benefit from patriarchy and things. So I have some homework to do. Also as an African man in a relationship with a Dominican woman, we're both learning different things about how we came up and trying to make sure to grow out of ignorance. Good so she black? Is she Dominican black or Dominican? She is uh, uh, from what he's saying, I would assume she's Dominican black. But okay, black. She, she's a Haitian? Is that what he's trying to say? <laughs> right. <laughs> I spent a little bit of time in the Dominican. Oh, Dominican mother, white father. Okay. I spent some time in the Dominican Republic, and I can attest firsthand that they are people who are as dark as me and darker and do not acknowledge their Africanness, right? So that was that was the political social construct that happened kind of after the revolution in the twenties, and how they set the the terminology up mm -hmm. and how it became more advantageous. Mm -hmm. For those African people to do that, it became a matter of saving themselves and differentiating, which you know, is problematic. But yeah, right. in the same way that it did here, because before um, emancipation, black people who were passing, you could pass, but they you were still known to have black in you, right? After the Civil Rights War ended, or I'm sorry, after the Civil War ended. Black families who were already light-skinned were working to breed the black out to the point now where those families don't even, a lot of times you won't even know 
that you have African ancestry unless you get a DNA test and then you're shocked to find out, oh my goodness, my great grandmother was passing, right? I thought all this time I was white. And that's okay. You can still be white if, you know, if that's what you want to do. Nobody is begging anyone to claim blackness, right? We're not begging anyone to be proud, um, to be African. But we as Africans have to find ways to remove the branch of Eurocentrism called colorism from our psyches. Um, Light-skinned people, right? Acknowledge that privilege does exist. And if you feel so inclined, right, in the same way that we encourage Europeans to do the research, right, and, you know, we don't want to do the work for you, find out how white uh, supremacy or white male patriarchy, how it works, how it has benefited you, and how you can use your position to help people, right? How you can use your position and your access to do something different. Um, I had so many different things to say, but everybody pretty much um, said it all. I know that there are a few, um, Adrian said, my grandmother used to call me white as a child and my mother would have arguments with her all the time. If it wasn't for my mother reinforcing to me that all black women, light or dark is beautiful, I would be a different person. I would be a different person. I would have been different. Yes, you would have been different. If you don't have a conscious parent or a parent, and when I say conscious, I'm not talking about Sonetta and Young Pharaoh. I'm talking about an awareness of self as consciousness, okay? If you, if you do not have a parent or some type of intervention of consciousness in your life and you get that later, you have to spread that to other little black children. That is your responsibility. Our responsibility is to other black women and to their children, all right? Like and that's it. That's it, that's it. Yourself, <laughs> your children, and other black children. That is anything you can that's push it. out of your body. Right. That's and it. that is why I say I want my daughter to marry a black man. I'm not talking about black men that we know. I'm talking about your sons. And I'm hoping that you're doing a much better job raising them than what our mothers did raising our brothers. We have to get back to doing, I'm going to interject, what the Indians do. They have big conventions where families set up and link up children based on interests mm -hmm. and based on what will be good for you, okay? Right. A range of sorts. What it means is if I know the character of Larisha's son and I know he has been trained to do a thing, and I want yeah, my daughter to experience, right. close the door, please. Close the door, please. And I need you to be quiet over there until I need you. Okay, thank you. Until I can have my daughter, who I'm training to do a thing, say, hey, I know this person has been trained. I know that this is their, thank you, Africans already do this. Mm -hmm. But from a perspective of how you think colorist, providing, anti-patriarchal, and then it's almost like a council of elders. You mm -hmm. guys get together. If some shit come up, hey, y'all, we need to come talk. Bring them in. Because we're creating happy, whole, healthy children. Happy, whole, healthy families don't just fucking happen because we believe in love and, and all these fake fairy tales. You have to work to create real bonds based on truth, based on 
accepting whether a person understands you or not has nothing to do with them accepting who you are, accepting your soul, accepting your spirit, accepting what you are, and then work spiritual, mental, physical, and emotional work. What has been done to us in this country and through the diaspora was diabolical. Yes. Slaves being let go did not fix a thing. We need to get our fucking mule or our acreage. There is psychological work and, and figurative surgery that must be done to remove and replace these things in us. So Larisha makes a valuable point that I touched on later. We're not talking about men as they exist today. I wouldn't dare. We are talking about the, the sons that are coming out of the wombs of the black mothers. You are the first and most important teacher. Hey, Freddie. You are the first and most important teacher of children. You are source. Wars have been fought over women for a reason. We are source. Okay? So we, we, we can create and destroy at a whim. We are divine chaos. And for those of you who do not practice a, 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 a African traditional religion, that is part of your power as the ancestors come through you. Risha, continue with your thing. I just go. Thank you. Thank you. Sanjata, you both said okay. Go watch your show. Yes, I'm 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 raising a warrior, both my children. I'm raising warriors and they are watching me. They watch everything that I do. They listen to everything that I say and they are internalizing immaculate blackness as it is displayed in my home every day, every minute of the day. Okay? Um, there are things that I could be doing better, things that I'm inspired by, and that's why I'm so happy for community, the community of my sisters, right? The community of Black women that I have in my life who offer different perspectives, who when we go into their homes, they see different ways of doing things, but they still are seeing immaculate Blackness, all right? Um, so yeah, so I would never encourage my daughter to date anybody but a black man because the black men that we're bringing up they have a whole different set of experiences a different set of knowledge and wisdom that they're being fed on a regular and consistent basis um adrian gregory my mother taught me how to evaluate black women based on the level of conversation and state of consciousness that they have so it's important that we focus in on where we need to be, irrespective and regardless of how others view us. What is excellence to us? What is our standard? What, what are we judging ourselves by, right? Because we, we don't have a whole lot of yardsticks, right? So we can't leave out the role of a father. No, we can't. We can't leave out the role of a father. Um, we hope that the men that we select, right, the men that we choose to lay with and have children by are going to be um, up to snuff, that they will be up to the standard of what we deserve and what we need. And if they are not, we hope that we can find father figures for them 
And if we can't, we have to be able to offer our sons, still offer them the goodness and the standard to which to, for which to live by. Um, Khalil, that's something that I highlighted with my, my woman whose aunt practiced African hoodoo. I'm still learning to see which African spirituality system works for myself. So, yeah, we, we have to um, kind of pull ourselves away from the expectations of um, what anybody has for us and set up our own modicums and our own standards and our own what's important to us. Respectability, politics, the games that we play across color lines, across spectrum lines, right? We have to find ways to pull away from that too. Um, we like to play those games of what is respectable in, in women, what is respectable in, you know, in each other. And, you know, we all got here through the permission of a big fat black pussy, okay? And if you don't respect the big fat black pussy, then you there's there's not there's no part of this conversation um, that will benefit you. And if you want to learn how to respect the big fat black pussy that you came out of, right? That all of us came here by permission of. Our mothers gave us permission to be here, right? If you want to learn to do that, listen to black women. It doesn't matter what their consciousness level is, okay? It doesn't matter what you think about them. Listen to them and hear what they have to say. Listen to their perspectives. You have to respect the hoe, right? You have to respect the prostitute. And you have to, just as much as you respect the lawyer and the doctor, okay? Um, so, you know, it's a whole lot for us to unpack. We got a whole lot to talk about. It's not just the colorism. That is a branch of a big fat ugly nasty tree and it, the whole tree has to be uprooted the whole tree needs to be pulled out so we could break this branch off but we still got to contend with all these other branches that's bearing all this fruit right so we have to find a way to throw a poison or a healing into the root so that the tree the tree can bear beautiful fruit and become something that we can feed from so um, that's all I have. Um, that's all I got to say. I just, I want us to love ourselves much stronger than we do. And stop. Okay, so yeah. this is the time of the show where um, we should not have talked about this last show. This is our third show. We talk about our shade and we talk about healing work, right? Um, I think almost everybody on the call does some type of spirit work, all of the panelists, right? And so this is the time of the show where we pour back into black women. If you're able to do so, my position when it comes to black women and healing and when it comes into uh, pouring our shade into black women who we have poured our, our, our shade into the entire world is that we do not mule. We do not give of ourselves without people pouring back into us. We also do not believe that healing should bankrupt or or. We believe that there is enough for everybody. We believe in community. We believe in, in reciprocity. So this is the time of the show where I'm going to take my time. I am going to slowly say and spell each of the panelists cash out. If you feel like you want to give to any of the panelists who may have touched you 
or myself. I'm going to give you that information. I'm going to do it purposely and I'm going to do it slowly because we have to take time to pour back into ourselves and to pour back into black women that continuously save us. And these ladies on the panel, including myself, this is the work of saving and healing black women and also benefiting anybody. There are black men. There's also an Asian woman on the call who is, they're benefiting from the wisdom and the intelligent and gifts of black women. So the first person I'm going to read is Cassie Pajinski. Her cash app is dollar sign C-A-S-S-A-N-D-R-A-P-O-G-E-N-S-K-Y. It's also in the chat. Check the chat. The next person I'm going to read is Wilda's. It's dollar sign W-I-L-D-A-P-R-E-V-I-L. It is also in the chat. We have Ashaki's dollar sign D-I-V-I-N-E-S-O-U-L-S-I-S-T-A. Rish Deterra, dollar sign T-H-E, the number nine, M-I-N-D-S. Cheryl Hodges. Dollar sign M S H O D G E S two zero one nine. Dr. Nefertiti, dollar sign Y A N S A nineteen eighty one. Okay, thank you. Uh, if anybody needs PayPal, y'all can put it in the chat. But let me tell you why we do this, okay. This is not mandatory, people. This is something that is purely if it's on your heart. It's, it's not like when you go to church and the pastor all in your pockets and mandating that you get 10% of your money, whether you got healing or not. This is pouring into women who have poured into you for how long we've been here. And also, too, um, this is about reciprocity. As black women, a lot of times, we, have, we are not taught that we should expect reciprocity. A lot of times that is why we stay with men who give us very, very little and we accept promises. We don't believe we are worthy. We should get things back. One of the ways that you divest from patriarchy, one of the ways that you divest from patriarchy is clinging to self-care, clinging to opulence, clinging to beauty and whatever form that you need. That whether it be pedicures, whether it be facials, whether it be waxing, whether it be getting your hair done, whether it be taking care of your body, boxing, getting fit, fasting. Because the truth of the matter is this. Black women, we lead in heart disease, diabetes, aggressive forms of cancer, HIV and AIDS. We do not practice self-care with our bodies. Then one of the reasons why we don't practice self-care with our bodies is because we have left our spirit and our minds and our psyches out and there is no care for them either. So the body is reflective of what's going on in the spirit, the psyche and the mind. Okay? So we have to be purposeful, just like we have to be purposeful about how we raise our sons and our daughters and how we are about not saying color is shit. We have to be purposeful about our divestment 
okay? You have to understand that without you, shit don't move. So you have to put that back into yourself. So people take the time, um, if you want to check the chat, to um, get the cash apps of those people who have been on the call and do what you can if you can. This is something that I will do every call because these women come on the call and Larisha and I pour our ashe into these different topics. This is not just something that happens in a one day. These are topics that are curated over weeks and months and reaching out to different people and, and research that goes into it. And the only reason that I do this, because in my real work, I do clinical work. I do it because I saw after, especially after the first episode with the, the, the mother wound, how much energy like left my body. And I saw how much Ashe women needed, like these holes, like it, there was these gaps and these holes that needed to be filled. And there were other cancers that needed to be removed from like our psychological and spiritual beings, right? And so I felt like I had an obligation. There's so many more topics. There's a topic that we're gonna have on how to truly divest from patriarchy. And my thing is going to continuously be to dismantle patriarchy because it is the oldest form of domination. It is the form of domination that all other forms hang from. It nurses everything. And so that is what I will be doing, okay? That is what I will be doing until I can't do the shit no more. So we have had topics in the past that address mothers. We had a topic um, that addressed um, patriarchy and abuse in African tradition and religions. We will have a topic coming up on the patriarchy behind uh, black boys being molested by black men, white men, black women, and white women, and how sexuality of our of our little boys has been reduced to predatory type archetypes, and how we have to stop that. And we have to change that, and so. There are going to be topics coming up. Um, Dr. Umar Johnson is going to be a featured panelist on that. Dr. Nana Lawson Bush. And also, um, um, uh, don't make me, uh, Oyakunle Olaboega out of the UK is going to be also. So I have a male panel. And all my shows open with the female priestess that opens and closes the show because the Black woman begins everything because we are source and we end everything because we are source, we are the alpha and we are the omega of the world, the entire world. It is not up for discussion ever. And so that is how I open and close my shows always with the ashe of a black woman, a black mother specifically, all the women that open my show are black women who have pushed bodies out of their body. And my shows will always end that way, okay? And that is a, that is a reminder to you that we are source. We are the beginning and we are the end. Okay? That is a, and it is in Revelations, I am the Alpha and the Omega. Black woman, you are the Alpha, you are the Omega. And so we want to reveal, you have to reveal your true self to you, which means that you have to take the implanted story, the other person's story that was implanted in your mind, and take it out so that you can come back. Um, so that's the, the part, you know, if you feel like donating, donate, do that. You have the information in the chat, do that. Larisha. There was somebody that asked for everybody's Instagram. So what we're going to do now, everybody, um, we're going to start with Cassie. Give your handles, and then we'll move to the next person. And then I have one little thing, and then I want people to share because um, I think we're doing okay on time. So um, 
tell your counterparts rape is wrong, physical abuse. Yeah, you could do that, but they fuck with me, they gonna die. See, I don't, that's, I'm gonna tell you off top how I am. Black men are not doing enough to check other black men. Rape culture within our, in our community is supported by black men, okay? If you look at what happens to black women when they come out, they are ashamed and they are abused. So let me tell you how shit roll with me. I'm taking your head off off top. I'm not looking for you to tell another man he ain't shit. I'm going to fuck him up. He going to feel he ain't shit. And how I'm going to handle that is if I cannot physically do so myself, I'm going to pay some dudes that can do it. Because one way or the other, he's going to feel it. That's, that is the only thing. You do not bargain with abusers. It is impossible. You don't do that ever. They don't hold each other accountable, but I ain't even worried about you. Because there's a Glock that can hold you accountable. There's a machete that can hold you accountable. And if you keep playing, there's a white police officer with a badge and a gun that can also hold you accountable. And you know they don't give a fuck about your life. So my suggestion is you better give a fuck about mine. Because they will try to play that game on you too. When you call troll, yeah, you hit me and you want to die. Right. By, and by I, I said that because he asked the question, what... um. Any recommendations for men who are re-educating, re-establishing, and remodeling? Beat, beat your homeboy's ass that prey on women and rape women. Right. Beat his ass. Nipsey right. also had an exactly. a, a interview he did one time where he talked about men who do shit out of pocket and game mentality. When your homie do something out of pocket, you got you to gotta beat his ass real quick, bring him back to reality. The same shit the FOI used to do to certain groups in the community. You call them out, you beat their ass. Because if it was your wife or your sister or your daughter, you want to beat their ass, right? You know. So, um, Cassie, go ahead and give your Instagram and your contact info, please. My Instagram handle is at SweetWaterWitch. All regular spelling, no spaces, no um, underscores, nothing like that. At SweetWaterWitch. Um, my email is Cassie Pajensky. It's the same uh, same as what I'm on Zoom uh, at gmail.com. All right, Wilda, go ahead and give your info. And if you want, Cassie, put it in the chat. Okay, you can reach me at my first name, last name. I'm on uh, Instagram, Wilda Perville. Um, my email, however, if you want to email me, is will preville at gmail.com i'm going to put that in the um in the chat and um my instagram my cash app are the same wilda preville and um what i want to say is i just want to because i've been working on something so if you just give me a quick minute i just want to read it because i've been working really hard on this pitch <laughs> is hi my name is wilda preville and i'm an expert at using astrology to provide you the cosmic clarity that you need to cure self-sabotage I help you to align your cosmic destiny to identify at the destructive behaviors um, by using your birth details, especially your time, to um, get off the roller coaster and to help you step into greatness. The name of my tribe are Trap Stars. I know it sounds like I love trap music. I really do because it gets me twerking. But the reason why I call it Trap Astrology is because I work specifically with your house that I call the House of Trap to help you get off that trap, get out of that trap, get off of the roller coaster to help you heal and to step into the life that the cosmos has had for you since birth. You can reach me again at Wilda Preville, Gmail, willpreville at gmail.com, cash app, Wilda Preville. Excellent.
All right, let's go, Ashaki. Everybody post that in the chat, please. Reese, can you post the Dr. Neff stuff, please? Just post it in the chat. Go, Shaki. Okay, so I can be reached on IG at, <clears throat> at Divine Soul Sister. That's my IG handle. If you want to email me, it's a shocky at a shockyali.com and I'll put that in the chat. Um, cash up again was dollar sign divine soul sister. You can also reach me on my website at shockyali.com and I'll put it in the chat for you all. Thanks, Shocky. All right. Um, Cheryl, if you okay, Cheryl ain't there. Um, so Reesh, if you want to please do your nine mind stuff, root baby stuff. And the Dr. Nefertiti stuff, um, that'd be great, please. And then Cheryl can go after that. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. Um, you can find me on Instagram at the Nine Minds Radio Show. And my email address is the nine minds at gmail.com. And my website um, for the ebook is rootbabies.org. I'll go ahead and type all that in right now. Um, it is a very short ebook and it talks about how every industry connected to the healthcare industry, which is food and drug, is intentionally poisoning the people. Okay, specifically black people, because we get a whole different class of drugs than what you find at um, predominantly white institutions. And I'm sure Dr. Neff can attest to that. Um, the lead, the lead paint in our, um, in the hood, in our neighborhoods. I've had relatives who have been um, changed. It affected their brains um, and their minds in a very big way. Eating the lead paint off the walls as babies into adulthood. Okay, um, and the industry being aware of the harm that it causes and not doing anything about it. Right. So um, just the intentional poisoning of black and brown people in America. Um, I wanted to shed some light on that and, and give some workarounds as well, some ways that we can combat that um, as best we can with the limited resources that we have. Um, I tried to offer ways to work through that. So that's where you can find me. I'll put it in the chat. Um, I saw enough. You already put it in. I'm going to put in all the last word with Nefertiti. Um, links as well peace okay so um that's if you want to um follow us i got one thing i want to say um usually i'm like a kind of lyrical person um but it was a little bit different finding lyrics in support of like black beauty so i'm like a person who cares about like words and content and um one of my favorite people um, in terms of being an Egyptologist and a person who is just was just a scholar, a person who was just amazing, um, was Dr. Yosef Ben Yakinen. And so I want to, Samir, I need you to be quiet for a moment while I say this. All right, so I want everybody to take this with you and I want you to think about it. And this is from the lips of a black man, okay? Dip in chocolate, bronze in elegance, enameled with grace, 
Toasted with Beauty. My Lord, she's a black woman. Without you, African mother, there would have been no us. African fathers, sons, and daughters. Do we need to say any more? African mothers, our own true goddesses. Okay? So to me, that description is I think what we are trying to get, that's what I'm trying to get back to. You know, I talk about us being source and being the most high. Being source and being the most high, right? We are the source of everything. If we were not the source of everything, you would not want every European, Asian, and whatever color country coming into the continent to take the source of everything, okay? That's right. If we were not the source of everything, we would not dominate. Most of the people in the world are, as you look at their colors, they're African. They don't identify as African, but we are not truly a minority. We're only a minority in how we operate. Right. And in physical numbers in this country, but from a world stage point of view, we are not. Okay? So... Go ahead, Jessica. He can share his IG. Go ahead and put it in the chat. Hey! <laughs> so, <laughs> what you have to do is you have to realize first, especially if you are practicing an African traditional religion, the source of what you're doing, whether it's Lukimi, whether it is Palo, all that shit is African. You get it from a black person. That's right. And so all of the divisionism and all of the colorism and all of the racism is something that is truly African has to stop. Okay? Colorism across the board has to stop. Black women have to really understand what divestment means. We must divest in order to preserve ourselves and preserve our children. You have to divest to, we, we, we are, we have the lowest mortality rate out of any other race of women. That's a fact. So what does that mean? That means the shade that we're giving to things that do not sustain our lives and the lives of our children, we have to reclaim it and take it back. That means you have to, when you are too tired and you've been too abused by some man or some job, too tired to get up and to walk and to exercise and to eat properly. You have to divest from the abuse that is happening to you and you reinvest that energy into getting up, walking, and eating properly because that is what is going to sustain you. You are what you consume. If you consume nothing but abuse, poor diet, poor whatever, it becomes evident in your soul and your spirit and your body will radiate that. You can always tell a woman that's being abused. You can always tell. I don't give a damn what they say. People say, I never knew. You knew. If you were paying attention to her walk, her face, how she took care of herself or her children, sometimes you may not see it in her. Her Anything you can tell, okay? So we have to really, the, the, I think the magic word of today and all episodes is going to be patriarchy and divesting. And I think the job of men in that, because this is the thing, black men, we push you out of our bodies. Okay, you grow inside of our bodies. Black women, one of the reasons you see a lot of black women on the front line 
is because black women, when we gave, we grew you in our bodies, our bodies involuntarily protected you. Anything you needed from our bodies and calcium, if we didn't get it externally, we took it out of our bones because we push you out of our bodies. And so there is a disconnect that black women, there's sometimes a switch that we run to your aid and fight because we, we gave life and pushed you out. But in your physical form, as you go from black male to black man and you understand what your position is, your position is to protect and to provide for black women and black children. And when you do not do that, and the black woman is providing and protecting black children, she is no longer to be running to your aid. We're not doing that because she now becomes the protector and the provider. And you cannot secure your children in, the sa in your own safety when you're on the front lines fighting other men. You cannot do that. We are not doing that because our children are failing and dying and you have black girls that are 19 that are being murdered in the street at the hands of other black men. So what that tells you is black men, what are you going to do? Are you going to, as Amos Wilson say, take a stand and decide to fight your true oppressor and enemy and your white male counterpart who is literally reaching the, leeching the breath out of your bodies daily? Or are you going to continue to expect the black woman to put down her femininity enough to be able to fight for you? Specifically darker skinned women, that narrative is pushed upon you to be warriors, okay? So divest from that. Invest in your skincare. Invest in, you know, orgasms. Invest in pleasure. I mean that in a serious way, whether it be self-given or given by somebody you choose. Invest in things that make you happy, things that make your kids happy and whole. Invest in their education, teaching your children. Your children reading, your children learning, your children understanding, invest in those things. Anytime you invest in anything that does not build you, does not create heaven for you, it creates hell for you. The job of a man is to bring you the resources that you need, protect and provide for you so that you can create heaven. And since that we don't have that infrastructure set up, we have to be responsible for creating heaven for ourselves, our children, as well as them. And what ends up happening because we are divine chaos and we don't always put ourselves in our or reverse, we end up creating the lives and perfection for everybody around us. And then we fall to pieces. What does that look like? It looks like bags under your eyes. It looks like excessive weight gain because you've not been able to take care of yourself. It looks like diabetes. It looks like thyroid issues. It looks like fibroids. It looks like edema heart failure, cancer. If you check out the lineage of your mothers and how your mothers may have passed, your grandmothers may have passed, and look at their role in the families. Look at how muling has been made to be something that we're to be proud of, and that self-care is something that certain types of women don't do, and that you're selfish if you care for your body and you're a certain type of woman if you always look good, and how people look at that, oh, she thinks she better. No, I think I need to be loved, and I am loved, and I will be the best that I can be. You understand that? So a lot of what we have to do is getting back to being dipped in chocolate, bronze and elegance, enameled with grace and toasted with beauty. And you do that by how you take care of yourself. And you do not wait on a man to validate or approve what you need to do for yourself. You are the only validation that you need. 
if a person is not pouring into you, caring for you, and I'm not just talking about money because you have a lot of men who care for women who are very abusive. They beat the hell out you and pay for the house you're living in, okay? So we are talking about people who seek to accept you, your beauty, support that, and know that if they give you that, you're going to bring back and multiply that a hundredfold because that's what women do. The thing about black women and the thing about soul food is black women have always been able to do a lot with a little. Now it's, now it's you know, fancy. But think about the most rabid pieces of meat that were given to us and what we were able to do. This shit is a delicacy now. We took hog shitty guts and made chitterlings. Okay? That shit is a delicacy for white folk now. Understand? So black women have always been able to in my point of view, we were Jesus to one fish fed a bunch of people, one loaf. We have always been that, right? So now you have to be that for you. Multiply for yourself and your children what you pushed out of your body and for you. That is all that you're responsible for doing at this point, okay? It is okay to let men learn how to be men, okay? It is okay. I know we pushed them out of our body, so it's hard to watch. Because you want to run. But remember, you got to get in contact with your femininity. And you cannot lose it because somebody wants you to be on the front line. You, on, you be on the front line for your children and for yourself so that you can extend your life. Okay? So that you can improve your health. Okay? And you let, because men will tell you this is man stuff. You stay over there. But let them handle man stuff in the street. Okay? So, I want to say... Um, I'm gonna have my baby because this starts with the children saying ready. Now, what I told you, how you gotta read this loud and powerful, right? Okay, loud. Yeah, get your knuckles ready. You ready? Go. You ready? Okay, well, it's time for you to do it. I'm gonna do it, or you're gonna do it. Go. I am beautiful. I am a goddess. Oh, I am beautiful. I am a goddess. I am to be respected. I am powerful. I am sorry. I am love. I am war. Okay. Y'all got to do that for yourself every day. I am beautiful. I am goddess. I am love. I am to be respected. I am source. I am love. I am war. Okay. Nobody determines that but you. Do not seek validation elsewhere. When you seek validation elsewhere, you set yourself up for emotional and psychological abuse from people at a whim. When your worth comes from if a man thinks that you're beautiful based on whatever sickness he has been handed, you are setting yourself up for abuse. Light skin and black skin and darker skin, you are setting yourself up for abuse when a man determines that you are beautiful, and then you're setting yourself up for not experiencing divine sisterhood when you let men play those games with you and put you at odds with your sisters. When you, it, it, is a, it is a psychological war that is really meant to uphold patriarchy and to keep women fighting upon, amongst these raggedy motherfuckers because dark-skinned men treat light-skinned women like shit, too. They beat their ass. They do all kinds of shit to them. They do the same shit to Dominican and Puerto Rican women. They beat their ass, too. They do. It's the appearance to make you feel bad, but these women are suffering too. Beauty is not winning them any points when it comes to an abusive motherfucker and a person who seeks to fulfill whatever damage and trauma and hold they have with a lighter, 
beautiful, so-called beautiful person. Everybody's being damaged by this light and dark alike. Women can remove themselves. Wilda, and my thing, my the solution to me is every woman that has an issue with how they look in terms of their beauty, get your DNA ancestry done. Most of the people in Haiti were taken from Benin. That's why you look like that. If you do the, the history of that and where they came from. And so when you finally see those beautiful structures, you already know that's why I'm beautiful. My beauty is so different and so different from everybody else's. Nobody, they ain't caught up yet, but you know what it is. And so if you are your own validator and it all starts with my ori, your head, your neck, your face mama. sits on your head. Right, not right now. No, mama. That is all you need. And you have to do that shit like a religion every day. Every day. You worship you like country-ass black people worship Jesus. Think about that. All, 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 all long as I got King Jesus, not long as I got Queen Neff. And stomp that shit out. That is it. You worship you like black folk worship white Jesus. That's you, you replace white Jesus with you. And I, you should be able to make that switch in your head. You know how, how black folk love white Jesus. Okay, you know, so that is what you do every day, especially my dark skin sisters, because it has been a psychological war against you, and you are the thing closest to the source of all things. The darker you are, the sweeter the juice. That is because you are the source. That's a fact. That's a fact. You are you are closer to the source. You are the drop that goes into that white thing and makes it exotic, beautiful. You are that. Nobody wants to tell you that. Nobody wants you to know that. So you have to know it for yourself and you do the research for yourself. And to all my sisters that are part of the African diaspora and they're not necessarily just black, but they are a mix of black. If you are black and you're African and you claim your Africanity, we love you too. You know, you can't weaponize your, what we call exotic against us. But if you are African, and that is what you are in the scheme of what is African, Dominican, Brazilian, Puerto Rican, you know, they people don't want to be there. And then the Black Cubans, I've been there, Black Cubans everywhere too. If you are African, claim it, okay? Because if you're if you are if you are that, I guarantee you, you're part African. So it's a matter of claiming your queendom and your identity and your Africanity and not being ashamed of that and not trying to erase that. We have another beauty episode coming up in August. When I say trying to erase it, not trying to bleach it out of your skin, perm it out of your hair, sculpt it out of your nose, take it out of your language, your, the, the, how you sound. Stop cold switching. Okay, when we do that, stop ripping your edges out in an attempt to color it out, weave it out, glue it out, lace front it out, or whatever out you're doing to yourself, because a lot of times we don't like to discuss that and how that plays into colorism and how we do ourselves either. We don't want to talk about that because we like to say, well, I like it for protect. How do you protect what come out your hair already? I like it for this. I like it for that. I remember... My grandmother would say, you know, be careful about your hair. We'll keep our hair if you got your hair cut. I don't believe in putting other people's hair on my head because I believe that is your pain and whatever you experience, it comes to your hair. You know, they believe that in ancient Egyptian, ancient Kemetic times. So I don't put the hair of some Indian or poor Malaysian woman's 
pain in my head. I let whatever the creator got for me come out my scalp and I let it lock up. And when I feel like it, I go get it twisted. Okay? Because I know that's what my ancestors look like. I know that's what I look like. And I don't want to be anybody other than myself. Because if I'm anybody other than myself, I am prone to abuse. I'm prone to psychological damage. I am prone to any of the many ills that can come if I let those things infect my mind. I want my lips to be full. I want my nose to keep that hook. Okay? Because I know where it comes from. And if I want anything else, I am prone to psychological abuse and damage and whatever I look like. So get to look at yourself, know yourself, and love yourself and find out who and what you are. Find out where you're from. Find out where in the continent you're from and what you're mixed with. And then I, my advice is to get an Italy reading. The only person that I know, because I am not a person that trusts a whole lot of people in any of the traditions, is my godmother. Um, G-O, her email is G-O-T, the number two, the letter B, O-S-H-U-N at gmail.com. Arisha's going to put it in the chat. I got my Italy reading after I did my DNA ancestry and it blew my mind. And I began to research who the Bibio people were and why I always kind of had this royal attitude and air to myself. And I researched it. Okay. So once you find out from a physical and genetic position who you are, and then you find out who you are spiritually and what you should be doing spiritually as an African, your life will begin to make much more sense. Once you decide to get in contact with your ancestors, your life will make so much more sense. Okay. And once you stop letting other people determine, determine your beauty, whether it be dark or light, determine your, your worth, in, in, in relation to a man, you're going to be better because these are the things that we have to start divesting, divesting from and we have to begin to invest in ourselves. Um, is there anybody on the call that um, has a story that they would like to share um, regarding colorism or anything really that they want to get out their chest? What I tend to do is I try to let people and let spirit dictate these calls. So what I want you to do is if there's anybody, just throw your hand up or just let me know. Zola, go ahead, girl. I'm a, you can take yourself off mute and put myself on mute. All right. Sorry for any background noises. My little four-year-old is here as well. So I just wanted to, first of all, first and foremost, I want to thank you guys for having this. And thank you to Wilda, my classmate, for even posting it because I almost did not catch it and almost did not join because I thought it was too late. So first and foremost, thank you guys very much. Um, when you guys were speaking about hair, I can remember when, uh, when I was pregnant with my daughter and for anybody who, my background is Cuban island, you know, those old fashioned parents, they would tell you, you can't relax your hair when you're expecting, right? So I can remember telling myself, okay, while I'm expecting, I'm not going to relax my hair. I'm going to let it grow out. After I give birth, maybe I'll reconsider relaxing my hair. But of course, I went to breastfeeding. So, and I'm saying this to say because after my daughter was born, at one point, the goal of what I'm going to say is that how much we learn from our own children. 
because at one point my daughter was maybe about six months old and I was rocking the fro and still considering, okay, at some point I'm going to go back relaxing. And my daughter's hair had started to grow back in and I would slick it down, you know, just a little cute brush with the moisturizer, slick it down. And one day after I slicked her hair down, she was right there in the mirror and she poofed it back up. And I was like, no, you messed it up. I had to catch myself because she was doing what mommy had done to her own hair, which was rock the fro out. But I accidentally, well, caught myself mid-street telling her, don't do that. But I had to realize, wait a minute, she's looking at me and her idea or her understanding of beauty is whatever she see coming directly from me. And I made the decision at that moment. I said, I cannot relax my hair. I can't do it. Because then she's going to think that her hair needs to be relaxed or that her hair might not be good enough. I'm sorry to say those words, but it, it gave me a realization that I cannot do this. I have to make sure that this one here sees a direct representation from an everyday person that she sees that her hair, 4C, whatever it is, is perfectly fine. And that was me realizing and learning how much we're going to learn from our own children because she's my only child. She's my first and that's it. But I learned so much. So I wanted to encourage also other moms that when our kids are this young, let's try to also learn from them too, because they might be showing us some of these biases. I'm sorry to say, because when we grow up, we don't realize a lot of these things that we just grew up with. And I know in these times, I myself am checking almost every doggone thing that I say or that I hear because I'm raising a daughter myself. Um, I'm learning about the colorism stuff as we go on. My daughter is darker skinned than I am, but I tell her every single day we have these affirmations just as the young lady was having your daughter mention the affirmations. I have something that I just naturally tell my daughter, but someone pulled me to the side when my daughter was a baby and a family friend who I thank God she pulled me to the side and she had to explain something to me relating to colorism, relating to the various skin colors within the black community and seeing that my daughter is a beautiful brown color She's darker than me. And so when at first this family friend mentioned to me, she's like, listen, I'm going to need to teach you how to talk to your daughter. Not that I was talking rudely. No, 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 what? none of that. She was a little infant, but she broke it down to me that I did not know, you know, that you, you watch for these things. And I'm like, okay, thank you so much for telling me because she said to me, she says, now that you have a brown skinned girl and I am black, I am whatever they want to call it, reddish brown, I am. I do not denounce anything like that. But she broke it down to me to tell me 
to be very mindful of certain things that get said around my daughter or even when it comes to the hair and stuff. And I was just like, wow, okay. I don't do those things, but thank you for letting me know. So that way I can make sure if anybody else comes around and says, I say, wait a minute, hold on. Uh, we're going to tweak this. We're going to make sure that she never feels that way. And so far as being five years old, she, she will walk in a room and own things. But I just wanted to thank you guys for mentioning that and encouraging everybody else that it is okay to give an ear or to listen or learn from your young children. Because some people that see me with my daughter, they're amazed at how she is. And they're like, but you allow, and I'm like, well, I have to listen to her too, because she's not with me 24 seven. So I have to hear what may be going on at her age level, what may be around her. And then I have to educate her and teach her how to be able to respond and let it be known that, okay, it is all right, but thank you guys so much. I feel like I'm starting to ramble, so I'm gonna cut off my tongue. Thank you. Thank you guys so much for this. And I look forward to the one in August. So will the tag me in it? Yeah, we're going to have, we have another one in July. Um, that's really that going to be really good. And I'm going to, um, I put my personal Facebook is Sankofa uh, Natural in the chat. I'm real funny about friend requests. I'm, I'm not a social media person in the sense that other people are i do it because i have to for this um and also for business but i do um add friends um okay simply because i the only reason i really do this is for black women like i'm not i'm i'm a rotary phone girl i'm a i'm a write write you a letter put it in the mail type of girl um that's kind of where i am i'm an in-person come see about your type of girl um i think there's so much that is lost and so much that is fake um, in the social world, people are not, people don't have to prove themselves and prove who they are. And therefore there's a lot of deception and abuse that can also take place from a, a social networking type of interaction. So I have right. kind of an innate disdain for it, but it is something that is necessary for the times that we live in, especially with social distancing at this point. Um, so I did put my personal Facebook, which I never do like on nothing in there for people who do need to reach out to me personally. Um, one of the things that Larisha and I have coming up is a business that we are doing together. We have both um, recently um, obtained life coaching certification um, combined with the things that we already do. Um, I've had a doctor for 16 years. I'm a clinical pharmacist. I'm also an herbalist and I do protection work. Um, I put my online apothecary in the chat as well. Fiance's apothecary, and it's on Big Cartel. Um, Larisha and I have decided, based on the interaction and response that we've gotten from large numbers of Black women, that there has to be revolutionary, African-based, spiritual-based life coaching transformation done for Black women. We cannot simply take a European patriarchal model and apply it and throw it on black women. No. So what we have decided to do is we are going to be the people that provide that. And one of the things that we're going to do, I'm a person, I'm a giver. I'm also a person that understands that money is a tool. It's not something to 
abuse a person over. It's not something to exploit a person for. It's it's just not that. It is a tool. It is, it is a social and political and uh, capitalistic construct, right? So we want to be able to provide these services for women um, at a very affordable cost so that you can continue to do them. Just like women get their hair done every month, they're the set amount. When you go to give the Asian people in the salon your money, $25, $35 for your full set, you know that the price is set, you know what you're gonna pay. Mm -hmm. Your healing and your transformation that has to take place on so many levels should be the same way. You can physically see your nails when you need a feeling, you know how it looks all ugly? Well, your spirit, your mental uh, energy, and your body, they, they, they need feelings too. When you go too long without self-care, you go too long without these interactions with other Black women because sometimes I don't have enough energy or eyeshade to give myself, but if I talk to my sister, she she lends and pours some of her eyeshade into me because that is what Black women are. We are the original source of eyeshade. We gave our eyeshade to the world, right? So everything is energy. I can lend my eyeshade to you when you feel weak or when you feel whatever. And that's one of the things that I've had to watch out in my life is that some people are drawn to me, which is why I don't give out all my information. And because my ashe is so big, some people can become parasitic because they have been abused and they have been tromped upon. And I, people like that gravitate toward me, especially women who've been in abusive situations. I'm trying to help them with this care for their children or figure out how to get them out of situation or give them a place to stay, which I've done several times. It is a very draining thing. And it's something that I realize I have to look at my life. So what we have to do is teach other black women how to regenerate their own ashe, create their own ashe, and to protect their own ashe and their own life, okay? So that's one of the things that we do have coming at the end of summer. We will introduce you to our um, transformation life services. It will be from a spiritual perspective i don't we can't do anything as the european has done it we see what's happening in the world right they've not done a good job transforming shit okay That's so true. i don't want to interrupt you keep going but i do want to alert you that marleek course and echoes wanted to um share go and jump in cut me off and jump in baby okay marleek you there yeah hey hey Hi, um, I just wanted to first of all thank everybody for this. It's been so good. This is like the best way to spend my Saturday. Um, I just wanted to thank everybody for everything that they've been saying and different perspectives. Like I'm a clearly very light skinned um, biracial black person. I identify as black. I really loathe the halves that I'd been like experiencing my whole life. Um, personally, like I grew up in Maine with my white family. My dad died when I was very young and my mom wouldn't let me see his part of the family. I only recently became like friends with my cousins who live in Baltimore. Um, I'm not in Maine anymore, I'm in Pennsylvania now. Um, but uh, you know, that's been its own journey. But I mean, I just, you know, when it, I think about colorism all the time, because I, I really transformed from someone who didn't even like understand why I felt the way that I felt around people. Like 
whenever white people knew that you weren't white, they would never let you forget it. And, you know, like Cassie said, like, you know, I was never white enough. Um, you know, I didn't look like my peers, you know, I don't have a pointy nose. I have really high cheekbones. Some people think I'm Indian or, um, you know, Hispanic or something, but it's like, you know, I also grew up, I, I experienced colorism from white people too, where my mom who is abusive and, you know, I don't, she's white and I don't talk to her anymore, but you know, I remember being a kid and, you know, knowing that my mom was kind of mean, but she would always point out like the darker skin kids who didn't have their hair done. And she would always like insult them, insult their mom, who was, you know, they're clearly not mixed. I remember not having the words, but realizing that what she was doing was wrong. And it really wasn't until I started embracing my Africanity and my spending time with more Black people getting into the diasporic traditions and religions that I started seeing the part of me that I've had to left, leave out of the room reflected. And, you know, I spend a lot of time trying to listen to and observe and witness Blackness and Africanity, especially dark-skinned people um, who are just, you know, the pillars of the ATR communities and stuff like that. And so, you know, I really appreciate these types of conversations because I know, I know personally that while I benefit from colorism, it's not even a question and I would never ever say that I don't. I also realize like two things can be true at once. Like every light skinned person benefits from colorism, but you don't benefit from not being seen. You don't benefit from being uh, dehumanized and on dark-skinned people on top of that are dehumanized and they don't benefit from being dark-skinned. So it's like, it's a conversation that I've been sort of trying to have a little bit more to in my particular unique type of way that I look, but I just wanted to reiterate, thank you for the space. I don't want to take up too much space or time, but like, thank you for everything that everybody said. And I just, I appreciate y'all so much and thank you for this. Hey, listen, this is what this is for. See, y'all y'all understand, like, I'm not a, I've never been a colorist. Because um, I got cousins that are, that are Black, that are biracial, but they don't identify. But I've never been a person that hasn't been around people of all, like, colors, right? So I've seen it from both sides. I have really, really, really fair. You remind me of a girl I went to college with names, so really y'all look, like, almost identical, right? So I can understand the displacement, right? There's a feeling of displacement. And I think the, uni the unifying thing for everybody is there's a sense of displacement. It doesn't matter if you're dark, if you're light, if you're almost white, there's displacement. The reason that there's displacement is because whenever you're in a system, the earliest system of domination, which is patriarchy, you're always going to feel displaced because it is about dominating and defeating the female sex. Okay? Black men and men of other races don't necessarily feel the same effects of colorism in the same ways that we feel it. From a societal standpoint, they do experience light skin privilege, but in terms of like beauty, men of all shades date women, they date whoever they want. You know, so 
we deal from it in a diff, very different perspective uh, for, as black women. I know black men who are biracial deal with it differently as well, but at least they have patriarchy to lean upon. That's a, that is something that they lean upon and lean upon it hard. It's very different for women who are in the disadvantaged group of patriarchs. Bye, Shaki. Thank you so much. Um, so I want to thank everybody that came on the call that felt that this was for them. That's why we do this. Um, Marley, we do it for everybody. You know, Jessica, everybody who would not immediately click in my mind is black and identifies and you are because of the displacement. We talk about the displacement and the world was created that way, you know, and it is a psychological construct. If you are an African, you are an African. Do you identify as an African? Do you carry yourself as an African? Not even in the way that they do on the continent because they sell them shit to everybody else over there too, but in your spirit and in your consciousness, okay? And so that's the thing that we deal with, your spirit and your consciousness and how those things play out in the world. How do you treat other African people? How do you treat your children? How do you treat children around you? How do you, how do you live your life? How do you... Are you a communal thinker? Uh, you understand? Do you abuse and manipulate other people for personal gain? Do you care about the community? Um, would you sacrifice your children for patriarchy? And would you, all of those things that happen. So, and wanting to remember to continuously validate yourself. Our light-skinned sisters really have to continually validating themselves as African. Look at it from the perspective of just the dark-skinned girls thinking they're beautiful, but imagine being told, imagine being told that you are not black enough or white enough. That is Samira. Imagine that. You know what I'm saying? Imagine that consistent assault on identity. I know I'm black shit. I go look at my mom and my daddy. But imagine being in a situation where you have to do fucking psychological double dutching. That shit is, I can't even double dutch. So I can imagine like you're, you're it's almost like a, a, a bipolar creation where you have to jump between polar opposites and then you don't really know. And then when you finally, it's something about being black that just feel good. You know, it's something like when I get with family who are just, especially like my old, like my, my old elders of my community of my family. And I feel home. When I went to Africa and I went to Ghana, I felt it was something I could palpate when I'm around other melanated people in the hood. When I grew up in the hood in the 80s, going to the boys and girls, even though it was dysfunction there, I felt so comfortable amongst black people. Even if it was hood shit in the projects, when I would go visit my, my other family, it was, uh, it was just something that was easy. And I went to an all-white school. So Mary, be quiet, please. I went to all-white college, and there was constant stress and checking and watching for me even though I did well and I'm just I consider myself to be I consider myself to be strong I consider myself to be uh confident and I consider myself to be staunch and militant in my positions I would constantly have to reinforce 
myself to survive in these institutions. I got adopted in an all-white institution. I was so fucking happy to be done. So, and I'm a whole African. And I know there are people that is not as solid as I am. I had the father that I had who taught me to fight these things. And it is, when we are out here alone, we are lamb out here for these sheep or these wolves. When we out here by ourselves. So my goal and what will happen is we will create a network for black women of all shades who do not feel like they fit in to be able to come and to seek healing in a way that is affordable and a way that is based on our traditional things, whether it be money, whether it be bartering, whether it be whatever. We have services, you know what I'm saying? And to create some sort of communal situation, if it's in the social world, but eventually have it be in the physical world, because another thing that we should not be planning before COVID was a retreat, a Root Babies retreat. And we're going to end up doing one eventually, but we're gonna do a retreat and it's gonna be like a soul healing retreat. I'm old school, y'all. Y'all gotta understand something. I am not a person. I remember being reared up in my neighbor, my dear's house and learned many of the lessons I learned at the foot of a black woman in her kitchen and at the feet of my grandmother in her salon at the feet of my grandfather in the barbershop. So one of the retreats will be in my home in town, I have a big home, and it will be small. And it will be real work that's being done, and it will be dormitory-style living, food will be included. It will not be that very expensive because healing should not bankrupt you. And I do not believe in exploiting Black women and children. I do not believe I have to make my living exploiting Black women and their children because the truth of the matter is Black women are the most disrespected, the least protected, and the most neglected women in society. So I do not compound or add to that. And we still must heal collectively. Um, we are, you know, we done, we done ran out the clock unless anybody... Oh, I'm going to put it... Me, listen, let me tell you something. Reesh, let me explain something, y'all. Reesh is the technical person. So when it comes to flyers being put out, the information being put out, she is the guru behind all of those things, okay? That's my girl. Um, so we are going to be curating all those events, curating our business. We have to handle the paperwork and red tape with all of those things. And that is going to be coming. It will be all out at the end of summer. Um, and our next topic is coming up July 11th. It's Innocent Lost, the Silent Molestation of Black Boys. Um, if you are a mother of a black boy or you know a black boy, or you are partners with a black man who has been sexually abused, that is something that is very, very tough. And there's something that plays out. And a lot of times with, with women getting abused by men, they have been assaulted, abused, and traumatized. And they have not been able to reconcile those things as grown men because of, because of how patriarchy says sexual sexuality and black men should be dealt with. Whether it's regarding their sexuality, um, gay, homosexual, straight, bisexual, whatever, we have not done a good job in addressing how these issues can traumatize and affect, affect Black men. And we have to start with it as little boys. Um, so that's going to be something that we are addressing. We are also doing a panel on Black women's health. We're doing a panel on tribalism. Tribalism is going to cover 
you know, the Haitian versus Dominican versus the Caribbean versus the African versus the regular African-American and women and how we hold on so dear to anything that does not say African. Oh, I'm Trini. Oh, I'm Jamaican. All of those things are African. Go check out the slave trade routes. You were seasoned in Trini, but you came from over here, West and Central Africa. Okay? Oh, I'm Brazilian. Go check out the routes. Go cute. Go check out the routes. But when they say I'm not black, right? Right. They say I'm not black. I'm Trinidadian. I'm not black. I'm Jamaican. Well, I hate to break it to you. (laughs) No, I love to break it to you. You is... (laughs) You, the name of the show is going to be tribalism. You is black. Like, we're going to put the shit out there. You is black. Like, me and Reese was talking about how we just like regular, regular, regular African-American, you know, whatever that is, right? And I didn't understand this until I went to college when they had a black student union and a Haitian student union, the Caribsa. I'd be like, ain't but two us at the whole fucking school. It's a white school. How we got 30,000 black organizations? Because tribalism. It's something that we're proud of. We proud of that. We proud of being one one thousandth Chippewa. And that shit don't even show up in your fucking DNA. And you don't even want to know that the Native Americans had your black ass in chains like the white people do. And your black ass was still a slave in the trail of tears. You had to go over there with them. Because when you want to cling on to anything other than your Africanity, which is the source, you are subject to be lost your whole life. You will live a life of just a lost soul. Because your Africanity, true Africanity, is going to be the thing that releases you. It's going to be the thing that releases you and frees you. It really is. It is, it is. There's no other way. You tried it the way of the European. Look at the world now. They finna have something. Tulsa, Oklahoma, side of the race riots to promote Donald Trump. Look at how the, look at how the universe comes around when chickens come home to roost. The real, the real American patriots rioted and tore this country down, okay, when they didn't get their rights. So now we have another set of American patriots that are African, that are black, that are tearing shit up. We don't want to call them patriots. We want to call them looters and, and you know, disturbers. The truth is this country was founded on rioting, looting, murdering, racism, patriarchy, and rape, okay? And so as it returns... <laughs> it's still the same thing. So the question is, when you let the European ways go and you pick up your ways, what happens? Gotta be the fucking opposite to me. Because it seems when you pick up the European ways, this is the thing you keep getting every year. Pandemic, epidemic, destruction, death. So when you pick up the opposite of that, what happens? Life, love, communal living, health, and wealth. And none of that in terms of revolution comes without sacrifice, without loss, without the death of men in the fields. We look at these things in in a small vacuum, Trayvon, Rakia, George Floyd, my father, Latif uh, Farouk Abdullah, Eva Latif, died in 1998 via asphyxiation from the police who's supposed to be doing a wellness check in his home. These are not new things. These are not things to be outraged about. They, we been, they, this country been wilding. When they murdered them Matilda, they was wilding. This is nothing new. Don't pretend this is new. Black people, black women, stop defending your humanity to white people and other people. Stop doing that. 
Look at their history and you tell me who the monster is. You don't defend your humanity. You are the first thing ever created. You are human. You created all other humans. You built, we built this country for nothing from the ground up and didn't murder everybody after we got free. We are the most human thing on the planet. We are life. We are love. So make sure that you tell yourself that every day I'm life, I'm love, I am humanity. And when you tell yourself that, you will never put yourself in a position to allow another person to treat you in a way that is inhumane. That means mentally abuse you in the form of narcissism. It means physically abuse you, put their hands on you, sexually assault you. You go to the ends of the earth to protect yourself and the things that you push out of your body and your children. That is all you're responsible for doing. And understanding your place in the world, understanding American world history, African history, understanding that this is all a loop. This is all the result of multiple lifetimes that will come again. And if you're really in touch, you understand this is not your first lifetime. This is an opportunity to, for you to ascend to better character each lifetime. This is not my first rodeo. I've been told in many a reading, this is probably, I don't know what generation I'm on now. So now this time in my lifetime and this go round, we're not going for shit. Nefertiti is tired. Like my daddy told me the Nefertiti's don't bow. Okay? So we stand and we fight and we remember all of the dark mothers who fucked shit up. Listen to me. The, the so-called Amazons of Dahomey were the fiercest warriors. The king only had women fight for him because he said they were ruthless. So you be ruthless about yourself and about your self-care and about the respect that you deserve from other people. And you be willing to walk away from anything that abuses you when you are ready to do so, when you are financially able to do so, and when you are mentally and spiritually ready to do so. Always be playing chess. Always be three or four or five steps ahead and you watch how people respond to you standing up for yourself and practicing self-care. If people want to push you down, they will resist your attempts to practice self-care, your attempts to be better. You pay attention, even if it's somebody that says they love you. You pay attention, you document, and you continue to rise. And you watch, either they agree and they help uplift you, or there they will begin to try to compress and suppress you more. Pay attention to those things. Believe your eyes and believe your ears. And know that you are a source and your are is the head. Trust you first. That's all that I have. We will be putting out a flyer for the next couple of topics. That is truly all that I have. I'm starting to feel the ashe leave out of my body. I'm getting tired. Um, please be sure, people, on the call, I, these people that participate in my calls don't get paid or anything. Um, please hit them up if you're able to do so. Um, I am the host. I do well. Hit me up if you want. But my preference is for these women who joined us that didn't have to. Please hit them up cash out, PayPal, whatever. Um, because it is tiring work and it is work that black women, we don't do shit for free no more. We get we built this country bird babies. We were fucking gynecological fucking lab rats and created a whole field we didn't make a dime from. So we gotta pour into each other. 
the same way we pour into everything and everybody else, the same way we pour into those Asian hair stores and nail salons, you pour back into black money. Okay. Um, the next show will be coming up July 11th. And I want everybody to have abundance, love, light. I wish you infinite protection. I, would, I wish and pray for death and destruction for anybody that seeks to do you or your children harm. I have no qualms about that because anybody seeking to bring that to you seeks to bring death and destruction to you. So what we're going to do is have Reach end with um, some sort of prayer. As it begins with the woman pouring libation, so it ends because black women, we are the beginning and we are the end. We are the alpha and we are the omega. Go ahead, Arisha. All right. <clears throat> we are, every single one of us, the daughters of the first woman. We are here by permission of a big, fat, black pussy that belonged to a big, fat, black woman with nappy, kinky, thick, coarse, cloud-shaped hair. From her, we receive life, and because of her, we exist. We give thanks for the Black woman. We give thanks for our diversity of thought, presentation, and experiences that enrich us and expand our capacity to love, understand, and support each other. Through our healing, we offer healing to the nations that we birth from this day forth. And we dedicate this day, this Juneteenth and this weekend to the great mothers that made sure that we were alive today. Ashe. Thank y'all. I love y'all. I'm tired. <laughs> so tired. Um, and there's always going to be more to come. I promise y'all I won't leave you because I'm not doing this for any type of name. I don't really, like I said, I'm not a fan of social media or the public like that. Um, I just want us to do better and to return to our natural place. And I want the suffering of black women and children to end. It will end in my lifetime. It will, the, the path, it will happen because I cannot have my daughter experience this. And we will not have our sons continue this. No, we will not. And so that is what we will do. I love y'all. Everybody have a good rest love of your you day. Too. Thank you. Um, Reese and I have some other stuff posted before the next um, show in July, but we'll have our other um, flyers out and you'll be able to see what's coming up. Okay, you guys take care of yourself. Take care of your children. Go have a couple orgasms a day. Bust a <laughs> couple nuts. Eat some good food. And uh, I'm just saying, that's that's what's going to make you feel good, you know. Uh, and take do one self-care activity today. If it's an affirmation, if it's a 15-minute walk, if you could do some modified push-ups, do 20 of them, you know. Do something to take care of yourself. Um, tell somebody to kiss your ass today. Tell them no. Yes. Whatever you feel like, um, do that. Do that and be good in it. Um, and just don't let nobody play with you. Don't let nobody play with your children. Don't you play with nobody and don't play with nobody's children. Um, all of y'all I love. We are all sisters. 
light, white, dark, transparent, whatever the fuck you identify as black, you know. So peace until the next time. I'm Dr. Nefertiti and I want protection and love for everybody. Bye.